Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are live on YouTube currently, and we have got me, Red Velvet, and Jamie Shira in the office. What's up? And we are going to be doing episode number 98 today. Uh, Jamie came up this morning to pick up some stuff that he left in my truck since last September <laughs> on our elk hunt. It's a trademark of mine. Trademark of yours. Um, stuff. Exactly. Places. And we are going to kind of get into later on in the podcast about... Social media, the the look of social media content, the climate right now, some trends that are going on. Ryer's laughing. Why are you laughing? What did Clay say? No, it's Tony. Tony, what did Tony, Tony say? Tony said, I play this intro as I walk into the bedroom <laughs> to greet my wife. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored. I really it's am. It's the depth of the voice. Yeah. Really. Yeah, is it is it the is it the Diamondback truck covers part that you play, or is it <laughs> is it the music? <laughs> um, because if it's the Diamondback, I, we have a recording studio. I can record anything you want. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back to the wholesome content. All right, so um, essentially, Jamie's been on the podcast before. He was on the phone the first time, so he decided to come up, and we had breakfast. And um, it's July the third. This will come out on Monday, on the fifth. So. Technically, really, not a whole lot of people working today, so hopefully there'll be some people listening and hanging out and asking questions at the end. So if you're not, get ready to ask questions because we'll answer some questions for any of us. I'm sure Jamie would love to answer some questions too if you had some for him. But um, Jamie, and we'll let you intro yourself again. Um, we've known each other for, what, five years? Four or five years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2000 and. 14 or 15. Did, did we meet before we met before that hunt with Dudley and Andy, didn't we? Oh, we met at Killcliff a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. But it was just briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very briefly. That would have been That was the first time we really hung out. That would have been 13 12 yeah. or 13 because I started working at Sub 7 in 2000 and January 2012 and that would have been shortly after that. So it would have been 12 or 13. And you were doing what at Killcliff then? Operations. So, um there were basically four or five people in the company and I had come from the restaurant industry, uh, still in the restaurant industry and started running operations, really having no idea or experience or anything what I was doing. And, um, we kind of went from zero to, you know, over 10 million in sales. So that was a pretty, do you have any idea what it is now? No, I have no way idea. over 10 million. I would assume I, I would, I would hope so. Yeah. That would, that would yeah. be the positive thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, a, uh, we, yeah, we, uh, the first time we really hung out though was at the farm with Dudley and Andy. And, um, I think that was a, that was my first like foray into this entire industry. I mean, yeah. I just, cause Baker was like, yeah, Caleb's going to come down. He's going to bring his gear. And then you were like, yeah, I want Dudley to do a podcast. And I'm like, 
what's a podcast? Yeah. Like, hunting podcast? Well, I don't understand it. Like, what's... I'm pretty sure Dudley's podcast, I'm trying to think, down there at your place, I think that's the first podcast I ever did, was Dudley's. I'm fairly certain if I think... I'd remember you having a little trouble setting the equipment up, so... Yeah. That would make sense. 20, well, no, that's the first time I'd ever been on one or done one, yeah, and that yeah. was on his, and... Pretty sure that is the first time I'd ever done one. Because I remember, I, actually, I say that we had recorded two other ones with Baker for his podcast that never happened, <laughs> that will never happen now. He's got content for years. Oh, man. He's got content for years. But um, that's the first one that I ever guess I did that actually went somewhere. Yeah. And uh, look at us now. <laughs> Who would have guessed it? <laughs> yeah. Look at us. <laughs> look. Comes back full circle. Yeah. Man. Comes back full circle. But yeah, it, that was a very interesting. Uh, closer to the mic, you're backing up on me. Just pull it closer to you and sit. Yeah, very interesting go. weekend. Am I, am I, am I good? Yeah, very interesting good. weekend for me, being that it was the first time I'd been around any of that and mm-hmm. seen any of that and experienced any of that. I mean, I grew up in South Jordan on a farm. Like we went hunting every weekend, and I didn't. Re- I didn't even realize the industry that was associated with everything. And you know, uh, some people were like, "Yeah." John Dudley's coming and Andy Stump's coming and Caleb's coming. And I'm like, I don't, I don't no, know these people, yeah. you know? And then I start like looking up, you know, stuff on the, on the interwebs. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Like this is huge. Like there's, there's yeah. a lot of, lot it was of, huge. Then it yeah. would be even huger oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's three to huge. five times. <laughs> huge. 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 So I was like, I was blown away. I mean, it was a super cool experience for me. Yeah. I, you know, a, I honestly wish I had known a little bit more about it beforehand. Well, see, we I mean, that, a little that, better, that trip, that trip, I mean, I knew who Dudley was. Yeah. But, I mean, and at that point, I had filmed you know, the who's who of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. hunting at the time, you know. And to go film with somebody who had another show is like, okay, it's just another day for me. And then come to find out Dudley was, you know, would end up being a client. Dudley is the mover and shaker that he is. And then Andy's, you know, going to become the mover and shaker that he is. It's like. I didn't take it seriously, and I think that was a good thing for me because I was just doing my job and trying to be one of the guys and hang out and create yeah. some cool content, and that's what resonated with those guys. And, you know, now we've been working with Dudley pretty much ever since. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish just kind of personally and selfishly I'd have known a little bit more so that I could have actually – Use that a little bit well, more to my had your finger. I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know what I had in front of me. You know, well, you um, left you left it in Baker's competent hands at that point, and we love Baker. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of uh, yeah miscommunication. Yeah, between gotta, some people, you, but you gotta love him though. Golly, um, um, so yeah, that was the first time we'd ever really been we'd ever really done a whole lot together. And that's the first time you'd ever been around, you know, kind of the content creation side, like you said. And since then, um. We did a hunt last year, you, me, and yep. Ryer, and um, you. What a hunt that was! Oh man, I was gonna. What a hunt! I don't know how that much wasn't. of that story we want to tell, but um, it wasn't just a hunt. That was an experience. It was an experience, but it's that's it's a really good story was, to tell now. Um, we lived through it, barely. <laughs> it was that tagged you guys in the Instagram post. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess we'll just die. Yeah. <laughs> on the mountain, you know. You know I think that was all of our mentality. Like, well. Yeah, here I mean, we well, are. There, I so guess. there's this post on Instagram, and basically, it's uh, I, I've got it on. They're here, making I think. fun of like people that get stuck on the mountain, right? Because they don't really know what they're doing. Well, I mean, idiots. Yeah, yeah idiots. <laughs> idiots. And, and we were idiots for sure. It 100%. was it was really 
I mean, it was Kayla's fault, but it was really, my, <laughs> but it was really, <laughs> but it was really, it was really my fault because we went another 200 yards down oh, into the depths God. of hell chasing those elk as the sun was going down. But who wouldn't have done that? Yeah, that's my that's thing. The thing. It's like who, if there's on, uh, on the day of the hunt that I we can, were on and how many elk and hunters every, we had encountered, yeah. which is oh, one elk, yeah, one elk and at least 75 hunters, right? Yeah, Am I that getting point. that number right? Yeah. Um, Everywhere. And it was, what, the last day? We had two days left. Well, we thought we had two days left. <laughs> we, we thought we had two days left. We ran out and of here gas. we were on top of the mountain. We had been there all day. And just what seemed like halfway down the other side, the wrong way, um, <laughs> not was that, an elk. Not that far. Was Compared an elk to how far we, yeah. It was a herd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were there were three or four buglers that were I, yeah so. I can I can vividly remember being standing on top of that mountain and, going. and we called those guys in and we were standing there talking to them that we just called in yeah, our they, 117th sets of hunters and we heard those elk bugle and we're like looking at those guys like are we gonna have to kill these guys to go after that elk because I'm thinking about it like oh, yeah. I will murder these people to get to go after that elk the and they were, they were like they're like oh no we're going in and I remember vividly <laughs> and I was like where are y'all from they're like Wyoming no, 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 Washington. Washington. State, I, they I knew. vividly remember them saying, yeah, we're going to go ahead and head back to camp. And I'm like, and we got 45 minutes before yeah. dark. Yeah. These guys are sissies. And we're Should like, we all start, right. I we're think, like deuces. They climb up the hill. We're like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe, I, I think we should start the story from the beginning. Oh, I, I think don't that, know. How much time do we have? We could, Jamie could probably tell pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, so. Just to give people some background of where we were at. Yeah, we've told a little bit of the story yeah, so we in were, pieces. but Yeah, so we were, we were. Uh, we have this little series that we, it's Caleb's uh, brainchild and it's called make it happen. And basically it's showing people how to go and do these hunts. Um, We wanted to do an elk hunt self-guided. We wanted to do a lot of hunts, but Uh, the elk hunt was the first one we had a chance to do. Well, we had done the turkey hunt already and the fishing. Well, that was after, but um, long story short, you know, these are wild animals and things never go as planned, but Mm -hmm. we went out to Idaho, um, drew a tag in the elk Creek region i think tex creek tex creek tex creek yeah, 66 um should have been 66a but we got 66 yeah so 66 and 66a are across the road from each other 66 has all the people and no elk 66a has all the elk and no people and <laughs> we didn't know that uh, yeah so things yeah. you learn right um long story short we're, we're setting up a camp um we literally drive in at night we have no idea what we're doing where we're going you know we've we've got our our map system that we're looking at we're trying to figure out, you know, Hey, if I was an elk, where would I live? We chose all the wrong places. Um, the main problem is just being so many dang people. And then finally, uh, day four of five, we, uh, a buddy of Caleb's tips us off, says he sees elk grazing, you know, or, or moving along, um, edge of this mountain. We go in there, turns out it's the gnarliest stuff that you could be in the mm-hmm. thickest naturally. Uh, I mean, trees, every, Every other tree was a, a blowover. Yeah. So you got, but roots. not, but not blow over to where you can step over it. Blow no. over to where you it's, can't climb it's, over it's it. It's chest high. Yeah. So and then there's one that's like knee high. So you're like trying to wedge yourself between them. I mean, you can't, you can't just hike anywhere. Yeah. No. You're climbing up. You're climbing down. You're going through. So we get out there the first morning. We pop a bugle about a mile into the hike, half a mile into the I hike. Remember. Yeah, it was. We pop a bugle and it's like. All here. hell breaks loose. Yeah, I mean, there's like seven or eight different bugles. We're like, like yeah, we and found we're like, them. and when we know they they 
well, we hope they're not hunters, but as we hear them moving, as we're like, there's no, I mean, yeah. you know, an elk can be 200 yards up the mountain in three seconds, it yeah. seems like. So, we, you know, we're in the chips. We're all fired up. We stalk down probably three or four different elk and get really close. Close uh, enough just, where you feel like you should be able to see them. Yeah, and you just couldn't see them. We just couldn't see them. It was so thick you couldn't see them. Uh, that's why they were there. Uh, but once we got um, – in that ravine where the where the river was coming down, where we were like on top of them, mm-hmm. we started. That's where they were bedding because there was just. I mean, it was destroyed. You couldn't see well there that, was, and you couldn't see. You know, when it wasn't destroyed, you couldn't see twenty yards in front yeah. of you because it was so thick. Yeah. Um, long story short, we're there all day, um, all all day. day, going as hard as we can go. I think we did. Well, it took us. It took us virtually all day to hunt from where we left the truck. Got to that river, took us all day to get to the tip top where we called in those other guys. Yep. And that was literally holding ourselves on the side of the mountain, following, you know, what elk trails we could find, finding a path you could actually physically walk, not have to climb over deadfall. And we just kind of zigged our way and it was freaking steep the whole day. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. And obviously, altitude changes everything for somebody that lives at, 300 feet above sea level mm-hmm. um, going to 8,000, 9,000 is a big change. But I mean, I was physically yeah. wasted, Yeah, you know, towards the end. And then, you know, like you said, we the elk were just going off all day. It was one of those where they bugled all day. And so you're just constantly driving and driving and driving. Cause you just, man, we just, if we just come over this next Ridge, if we just, you know, get, we just got to go right there, you know, you yeah. can see it. It's not that far, but then, you can't you, get you there. Can't get there. Yeah. You just cannot get there, and then you, you know, get yourself or you get, you know, in a position where you can't go up, you can't go down, and you're just in a really bad position. But we get back to the top. Um, we take a little break. We sit down. We call. This is when that other group of hunters come in, and this is where the fun starts. Mm. That we a hundred percent thought was not a group of hunters. No, I was convinced I that was, was an elk. I was over your shoulder and we were ready. Oh yeah. I oh was, yeah. We were trying to do a tactical. Oh yeah. Y'all had already got caught with your pants down once. That wasn't happening. We were, we were trying to do yeah. a tactical flank and come around yeah. and like draw up on them as they came in front of us. And these hunters were like, on a, on a scale from one to 10 though, like how good was my calling to bring those hunters in though? I mean, excellent. It was, it was excellent. They, they, thought, they thought we were an elk. Oh yeah. For they sure. saw me and they were like, wait, you guys aren't, they're like, wait, is that it? Who's that? Where's that elk? Yeah, I'm like oh, that's our other guy. They're like, oh, yeah. You see, like one of them, son, one of the sons is like twelve or seven. He's just like, damn. It's like, man, this sucks. Oh, he yeah. was tired of being out there. Oh, dude, I went on aggressive sequence. When I heard that elk call back, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. Y'all go. Well, we were almost level. Yeah, it was that open level because yeah. if it would have been an elk, I mean, he would have just run. Yeah, right down there yeah. to us. I mean, it would have <clears throat> been beautiful. And the great thing is, if we would have shot an elk there, he would can only run downhill. Yeah. But knowing what we know now, if we would have shot an elk there and he would have ran have. downhill. We really hope he would have ran the way that we finally found back of the truck because yeah. we would have never got him back off the other side. We would have marked him and taken what load we could in once because it it would it would take you wouldn't be able to get back up there before sunrise. Yeah. I mean it would you know, and so, no and knowing what we found out later yeah. in the evening, he probably wouldn't have been there when we got back. Yeah. So yeah, finish that story. So um stupidly and aggressively and east hunterly of uh, uh, you know of ourselves we decide that we're going to go off well the like, reason we did is we were committed yeah i mean we were committed to that mountain we're like we're not leaving now yep. we've hunted this freaking thing all day yep 
and we bomb off, probably go 200 yards. Um, and it's just everything you can do to, to get yeah. every foot downhill. Yeah. And finally we, they, the elk kind of shut up and then we see them coasting up the opposing ridge mm-hmm. and we're like, oh man, that's and it. And it's getting dark. They're, yeah. They're gone. So we're like, okay, let's turn around. Well, the 20 minutes it took us to get down that took us an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get back up. We get up and the sun's dip below kind of the lowest ridge um, in the West. And we're like, all right, well, we got to get out of here. We know that the trail, we know where the trail is. It's oh, on our map. It's yeah, right it's here. Those guys walk down there. We know it's right there. Mm-hmm. So let's go, right? <laughs> well, we get there and it's not there. We can't find the trail. We, we, I mean, I've never really been lost in the woods and we weren't lost. We knew where we were. And where the trail said it was, we're standing on it, and yeah. you just can't find the trailhead. And we had good service on top yep. of that mountain. Yep. So we're like, we know that the, the GPS isn't off. We've got good service. We know that the trail says it's right here, and I we're mean, standing we were, on that spot. I mean, we were doing the the kind of, you know, 45-degree back and forth mm-hmm. for 100 yards. Well, that and we fighting, never came across well, that, the trail. We, we'd get there, and there'd be deadfall. Yeah. That you couldn't get around. Then we'd, we'd hike back up. So you'd go down 200 yards. And it'd take you, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get down. Then it'd take you 30, 45 minutes to get back up 200 yards. And we're like, okay, well, let's go around this way. And then we'd go, or, you know, or try and get around, and there'd be a cliff. And then we'd hike back up. And then we're like, okay, let's go this way. And we tried how many different variations of... Six or seven. And I, I'm not even like a claustrophobic person, but when we were down in that elk brush, mm-hmm. when it got dark, mm-hmm. and you... You, it was you didn't you could stand still and pick your feet up and you wouldn't fall because mm-hmm. it was you were just compact in there. That's when I was like, okay, this is real. And then you finally get to an open spot and look and it's a fifteen hundred foot drop at the edge of your feet and you're like, all right, this is kind of life threatening now. This is pretty dangerous. We well, and the, we're all trying to get through there with and we're one ex- hand and we're yeah. exhausted. Both y'all have bows. I've got the camera. We've yeah. been doing it for what amounts to an entire day. We ran out of water because we were not planning on spending the night. We didn't have any food. We didn't have you know, sleeping bags or tents. It was dire straits. Because we were 100% well, not planning on being on the mountain. And we, were, and we were dressed for 75 to 80 degrees yeah. <laughs> because that's what it was all day. And we're hunting and walking. We're like, we don't need cold clothes. I mean, we're working our butt off. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the, the spot where I had to kind of put my foot down and had to be the voice of reason, I guess, because I know y'all weren't going to stop. And I was like, okay, somebody's going to have to stop this. I was past the point of exhausted. I know y'all were close to it, if not there. And it's like we were going down the side of that ridge and we were sliding and yeah. we couldn't, you know, we weren't going to be able to stop yeah. ourselves. And I'm like, let's go find a place to just bed up, build a little fire. And we checked the weather. We still had services going to be in like the 20s that night. So we're like, we have to build a fire. For the 20 mile hour wind. Yeah. And then the wind starts blowing <laughs> and we're like, and this place is dry as a bone. And we're like, we're going to burn this mountain down. So if we build wind, like, we build a fire about yeah, as big as this laptop. You're putting your hands. Yeah. We you know, about as big as this laptop, and we're all just kind of sitting there, just kind of like almost drunk, half oh, drunk, yeah. looking at each other. Out. And we and, had a um, couple of tarps, which helped couple, us. Yeah, like thank, the, the thank you, Jesus. Minimum, we all had the bare minimum of the stuff that you're supposed to take. Between the three of us, if it had yeah. been just two of us, yeah. we'd probably been screwed. Yeah, yeah. It would have been. A, it was. A, it was a bad situation. Uh, it would have been a lot worse. I won't. I won't. We have not. Had, I won't have that happen to me again. No. Yeah. If we would have not had that uh, Sitka tarp. Yeah. Yeah, I told we, Barklow that. I was we, like, that that freaking sick guitar tarp saved our butt that night. I mean, 
that was a bad situation. I mean, uh, just building a fire in general, like yeah. the, the primordial like attachment to that, yeah, like, calms everything. So essentially, like, so essentially, what we did, so we're stuck, and we're like, okay, we're gonna. This is about probably eleven, eleven thirty that night. Yeah, we finally given it up. Yep. We've been trying to get down the mountain, probably less than five hundred yards, half a dozen times, and we finally gotten exhausted because we get straight down then climb our way back up, straight down, climb our way back up. So we find one little soft spot with a kind of a little knoll in a hill with a big tree, and we're going to kind of tuck up against this and build our little fire. So we build our little fire. We put the tarp above us to kind of try and hold the heat on top of us, and we're all just kind of kind of lay around it and try and stay warm. And then we're like, all right, we're just going to ride it until the morning. And at that point, there was going to be no problem with anybody sleeping. We were all tired. It was uncomfortable, but we were so tired it didn't matter. We just wanted to stop. Oh, Iyer found the only food that we actually had yeah, left. Tuna. Which was a pack of tuna fish. Yeah, that was deep down in my pack from like the first day that I forgot was in there. I'm, first of all, we're listening to 90s we weren't country the, playlists. Were we playing listen to Not that yet? yet? No, 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 we weren't Because yet. I turned that on for a very specific reason, <laughs> Yeah, which we'll get to. But I, I, I found that tuna, and I was stoked because I was thirsty, and it was that tuna in water. Yeah, moisture, yeah. And I love tuna. I love oh, tuna. I mean, we it's, had run out of water at like God, it smelled so bad. So I was already like, sick at my stomach because I was so tired, and you pulled that tuna. I was like, God, that's terrible. I offered everybody some tuna, but nobody no. else wanted some tuna. I don't know if I've ever been hungry enough to want that tuna. So <laughs> we're sitting there, you know, to just kind of like recapping, like, what in the world happened? Like, <laughs> this sucks so bad. This is so awful, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Like, it is what it is. It's a learning experience. Well, the thing is, is like, I've heard of people being stranded on the mountain before. And I'm thinking, how the hell do you get stranded on a mountain, dude? It's like, do I get to just walk down? No. Turns out it's a little easier than you think it is. It's way easier than yeah. you think it is. I mean, being, like I said, pretty capable in pretty good shape. Like, Yeah. You, well, you know what? Now that I think about it, I kind of blame Ryer. Because hmm? we're both from Georgia. He's from Colorado. He's from Colorado. He should know better. I could have gotten <laughs> he, off the mountain. He actually had to. I could have gotten off the mountain. You guys couldn't get off the mountain, so I had to stay with you guys because <clears> they're <throat> oh, strength yeah. and numbers. Okay, okay, here we go. So we probably could have gotten off. Your tuna is the reason that we ran into this yeah. next situation. I just nah, want to point we that. We can't confirm that. <laughs> yes, we so, can't confirm that. Yes, so it seems it's. It may seem like that, but so I think that there's strong evidence to suggest there's a lot of stuff on like Discovery Channel that. <laughs> say that that was the reason why we <laughs> the had tuna counter so anyways we're sitting there you know wind's kind of whipping it's starting to get pretty frigid uh we're just like you know I just, just want to sleep we're just accepting it you know hands like in your pants like laying face down in the dirt like oh yeah this sucks but i'm not freezing to death and, and i'll be all right and that kind of cold where you have to like rotate your body because yeah. only one side of your body would be warmed yeah. by the fire yeah mm-hmm. it's like you'd you yeah. face this way and your We're just like curled around this fire. Like if you can imagine the tarp top, mm. half of the fire is under the tarp top, and then we're just like wedged around the fire. Yeah, we're trying to other. get that radiant heat off of the thing just ever so slightly. Yeah. But we're sitting there and we hear crunch, crunch. Oh, I heard crunch, a huffing first. Crunch, crunch. I heard the huff first. Oh, you heard the huff first. I heard the huff. <laughs> and I'm like. See, I didn't hear what? that. I just heard crunch, crunch, and. We're sitting there. We're all kind of dazed, and well, I guess you didn't say anything because Ryer goes, "Guys, I think there's some elk feeding towards us." And I was like, "Huh?" So yeah, pretty sure I hear it. Elk yeah, because we've got a fire us. going, and, and I'm like, "There's talking. no way." I mean, because if you can hear it walking, it's got to. And be, the wind's blowing, yeah, directly towards where we're hearing. Yeah, this. yeah. I was like, if if you can hear it walking and the wind's blowing the sound away from us, it's got to be pretty close. I'm thinking elk would with a fire. <laughs> 
and it's getting closer and it's getting closer and louder. And then you start to say, okay, that's a really heavy, big animal. And we got some flashlights, but we're just kind of just sitting there just trying to play yeah. stupid. I just trying my, to not pay attention. And I flip my headlamp on and do Caleb this number, look around the tree, and I see a head. No sees, crap. Looks like it's this big. He sees eyes that were wider apart yeah. than if you put your two fists together. And I he, goes, just, he goes, that's a bear. That's a bear. <laughs> and I was like, oh. What a big bear! He goes, "That's a big bear." I was like, you know, and I said a lot of explicities at yeah. that point. I was like, you know, freaking out. I and mean, essentially, I, all we did was all stand up and just, "Hey, bear!" Just as just loud yelling. as we could. We had flashlights going off like a like a like a discotheque <laughs> and then like strobe lights. We were, we picked we started kicking the fire and picking yeah. stuff up out of the fire, like waving it. I think what saved us. I'm no bear expert. I think what <laughs> saved us was the fact that we were uphill. Yeah, because it was a steep hill that he was coming up. Yeah. And it, it made us look, as I'm sure with the fire and mm-hmm. all three of us, it made us look like. Well, when he ran off, I remember he runs off, and it's a big lumbering runoff, and it just stops, and it sounds like it's under 100 yards. And I can hear it snotting. And we and, and, and just stops, and we're looking at each other like, he didn't leave. No. Like, he's still there. Yeah. So our, we're for sure sleeping turns into, we ain't sleeping no more. Mm-hmm. And our everybody's adrenaline is through the roof. And I remember just being just like almost felt whatever a tweaker feels like, just sitting there, just just like oh, yeah. nervous, shaking. Oh, oh, I, I couldn't talk. Yeah. My jaw locked up, and I was just yeah ha- jackhammering. I mean, I was and freezing. But the was only weapon we had was our bows. You sat there with an arrow with a broadhead, like yeah. you were going to do something with that. Yeah. I had a knife. I was going to do something better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> an eyeball or something. So, and when he stopped running, we never heard him again. So we sat there probably until you uh, fell asleep about uh, twenty seconds later. Uh, you were out cold. I don't. Really, and Ryer and I were. I think your adrenaline dump. Just maybe that was the rest. That was all you had in the tank. Yeah. He just. I just so remember cold. waking up about three o'clock, and the fire's almost out. And both of y'all were asleep. Yep. And I'm like, try, just scramming, like, for me, don't we go out. We were trying out. to stay up. Yeah. I, we, I was trying. So, I, I got on my phone because yeah. I knew that we are all tired. 90s country. And I, I found an offline Spotify playlist of 90s country. I was like, well, I know for sure none of us want to talk. We're so tired we don't want to talk. So I'm going to put this 90s countries on. At least maybe, like, he'll hear it and think yeah. that there's some commotion up here and won't, won't want to come up here. So we played that on repeat for all night. Sang a few, yeah. uh, few songs by Reba. And- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, at the end of all that, we lived through it. Bear didn't come back. Thank you, Jesus. Daylight came up the next morning, and it's, what would you say to the road? When we walked to the road, how far do you think is a crow flies? Less than a mile, mile and a half? Yeah, not, I mean, you could see. You it could took, see the landing. Yeah, it took us, what, two and a half hours to go less than a mile Almost three down, hours. down the mountain? And it was, there were situations where I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the daytime. I mean, just getting off that first steep all my decline, legs, I mean, my, we were like, like sliding my everywhere. legs were so gone that next morning and we get down the mountain and get to the bottom and jamie drew the short straw to go back and get the truck luckily thank you jesus we had the rambo bikes thank and he sp- he spanked the bikes the whole way there we planned ahead at least for that yeah to where we, we looked knew on- where the trail was yeah all we had to do was come right off the trail yeah. i mean how stupid could you yeah. be you c- we couldn't find it just couldn't find it in the could dark find it but it was a we never found it no we never found not the trail. really we found the last two hundred fifty yards pieces of yep. it, but I guess I, I guess we know why the trail's not there is because that was such a hard place yep. to get to. People just stopped using the trail. That's where the elk are. Yeah, that's and that's where there. the elk are. And I guarantee, you, if I ever went back, I'd find the gumption to go back over there again because I guarantee you getting the elk. But I'd take a load up to the top, and I'd freaking bring some horses. 
that too. I'm not a for- fan of horses, but that was a place for a horse if yeah. I've ever been to one. I don't know that you you couldn't have gotten a horse. In you could have at least gotten him. You could have gotten a horse to a spot to where you could have yeah. gotten out. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it was that was a trip that I'll never forget. That one ranks at the top. I don't know if one of my favorite hunts, but by far one of my most memorable. And we only Agreed. had one opportunity at an elk. And uh, that was what on the, the second, second day, second, first morning, second morning. Because second remember morning. the oh, first yeah, morning yeah, we morning. ran into like yeah. thirty-seven hunters. Yeah, we have one. I mean, it's textbook. Uh, probably the reason why we didn't kill him was <coughs> just my ignorance as a as an elk hunter, mm-hmm. just lack of experience. Uh, I busted up further than I should have by about thirty yards. Yeah, and got a little too close. He took the wind side. You know, came up that hill and I saw his about middle of his neck up at about 60 yards and wasn't ready, you know, just. And then next thing you know, he's in the next zip code. It took one second. He looked and boom. Gone. He's gone. He gone. Did you you see him? I I never saw a hide or hair of an elk that entire trip. Really? Not a single time. No, because I was was trying probably the camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you were. Because he he was right here and I'm over here mm-hmm. and at that point I was still trying to run sticks so I think and, I was trying to put those and the those craziest out and get part it out. and I and I keep going back to this the the elk that we got on from a road they were probably less than a mile from you know they were kind of on this mountain and there's a road on two sides of these elk that we got into on when we got the bear come in and we're I'm 95 percent sure this is a grizzly if not it's the biggest black bear that exists but anyway those elk were not far from a road. Extremely hard to get to, not far from a road. The elk that we got on, that that you saw, how far was that elk from the back of our camp? A mile and a half? Not far. Not far at all. Just down off that. Yeah, yeah, because we because we ran into him by because yeah. we're just walking down the road, planning on going further down. And finding I bugled, the actual I bugled in the dark, and he answered us in the dark, and we went straight to him. And he came straight to us. Yep. And I will. Oh, it was it was freaking. You couldn't have written in that one any better other than y'all stopping a little shorter and getting a shot. But, yeah. I mean. We I didn't f- even draw. Yeah. I turned and saw him, and he was stared right at me, and I knew if I drew, yeah. he was gone. Yeah. I mean, because he saw me just walking. Yeah. I was like, what in the hell is that? Yeah. But that's how we, we learned a lot on that trip, if yeah. nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say for me, that trip, I mean, was just literally that that was it. That's what it meant for me. It was just growth and learning. Um, I mean, I think anytime you challenge yourself, regardless if it's hunting yeah. or whatever, physically, like really have to kind of dig down deep and put yourself in precarious and scary situations. You come out of it. I mean, you're a different person. Oh yeah. Your brain perceives things differently. You 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 know, and if you can constantly feed yourself that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's why I tell people. I've talked to a lot of guys that want to do that want to do an elk hunt, but they don't. They can't afford an outfitter. They can't do this, that, and the other. And and I want you to give me your opinion on this. I tell them like, look. Go do a public land hunt. Um, go to an area that's you know maybe gets hunted a lot or you don't know a whole lot of information about. Probably not going to kill an elk. Yep. You might not even see an elk. But what you will gain from going on that trip is worth the cost of admission. It's worth the you know nine hundred dollar tag and then you know thousand fifteen hundred dollars to get out there and camp. Yep. Just the experience you're going to gain from less than two thousand dollars of being out west, being a part of the elk, and actually still having an opportunity and hearing an elk bugle in their environment, nothing. You can't put a price on that. Yeah, I, mean, I can still remember the first place I was when I heard an elk bugle in yeah. the wild. Still. Same. Yeah. First, first elk I can elk. literally go back there in my head. First elk hunt I did, I was very lucky. I went on a private land hunt 
in uh, Colorado, uh, north of Glenwood Springs, and killed an elk, killed a nice six by six. I've been on three other elk hunts that were all public land by myself, you know, or with, you know, without guided. And I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they're very low chance on some of those things. A lot of it's me spending time trying to learn, mm-hmm. you know, what to do and how to do. I mean, it's just different. I grew up sitting in a, you know, ladder stand or a, cl- a lock on or climber, you know, whitetail hunting. I mean, that's just what I did, but it's very akin to, they're just like giant turkeys. And for me, turkey hunting, just hearing that turkey gobble when it's still dark outside, that's, mm-hmm. that's all that I need. I mean, I'd rather take somebody else hunting and let them experience and yeah. even me kill a turkey myself. Cause yeah. it's just, I mean, when you, we hit that, I mean, that first bugle second morning, the whole trip was worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention the fact that we saw one and it could have had a shot opportunity and all this, but you know, I think it's, I think it's important to say though, that people that grow up in these areas, they do the same thing. They don't kill an elk every year. They spend the time off season scouting yeah. and trail cameraing and yeah. feeding. I mean, I see my buddies out West that are doing it all the time. They don't kill an elk. They may kill an elk every two or three years. You know, I mean, it's like killing a big whitetail. I mean, you people hunt their whole lives and don't kill a big whitetail. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, of course it's easy to say when you don't kill something that it's more about the experience. But I think if you put yourself in that position, it really does does make a lot of sense. Awesome. And luckily I kill enough whitetails that I can trade out elk yeah. meat. So. Well, uh, <laughs> anyways. So, so you're ready to get hurt again? Yeah, always. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been ready to get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a month to recover from that, and I was ready. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to book my. I was trying to book a late season hunt, and trying to figure out yeah. how to get back out there. No, I a hundred percent. I mean, that's kind of what I live for. I mean, not that, that challenge, that adventure, that you know. I mean, sure. I mean, it's it's nice to go to nice places and stay in a lodge and do all that stuff. A hundred never would never turn that down in a million years, but. I also like to hike and camp and all that. Yeah. And if I can mix hunting with that and the kind of survival type feeling associated with, I mean, I live in Buckhead mm-hmm. in Atlanta, one of the largest cities in the country, much, you know, and in, in, in the Southeast specifically, but like getting out West is, I wish everybody could do it. I think if everybody could do it, it would make the world a little bit better place. Make the world a lot better place. Oh, hundred percent. So let's get into what we're going to talk about the podcast. Now that we're 34 minutes in, um, I just thought that since all three of us were oh, here, yeah. that'd be a good well, story I to tell on, with all three of I us. I planned on telling the story, yeah, um, and I figured it'd take that long, which that's fine. I don't care. Um, what I want to talk about with Jamie is, uh, and Jamie kind of you know gave you his backstory, and he gave it on the last podcast. He's a business owner, owns um, some restaurants, some bars. Um, you own a couple of Vita Flows. Yep. So um, very, I want to say he has a lot of responsibilities when it comes to creating content for what he does. And then he's also a hunter and outdoorsman like we are. And then we handle a lot of content creation on our side. And I wanted to kind of see how those two roads intersect and then also dive in even a little deeper into what it means to add value because Jamie has dipped his toe into the outdoor space a little bit, done some stuff with Everly Stock, Black Rifle. You've obviously done some stuff with us. And uh, you kind of see how that world works. You know how your world works. And I want to kind of get into a couple subjects that we talked about before. And I gave you some notes last night. And I obviously want to get what Ryer thinks too. But um, as a business owner, because we get this question a lot for guys that 
want to get into the hunting industry that want to either figure out how to get a job, to get some free products, to get discounts on things, whatever the case may be. And our our number one piece of advice for those guys are you've got to figure out a way to add value. Yep. When you hear add value, what does that mean to you? Um, well, it means a lot of things, and it can be interpreted a bunch of different ways depending upon what, what you're talking about. I mean, look at our turkey hunt. You know, we yeah. told people you got to add value, right? So yeah. if you're going to ask somebody if you can hunt on their land, which is what we did, we literally knocked on doors to find a place to shoot a turkey. We have to be willing to, you know, offer something. Yeah. Have a bartering chip. That's the way you can add value. I think the way it pertains to, like, my my world and, and you know, for someone trying to get into the space, um, the two words that I really try to focus on are quality and like efficiency, but you can add value through relationships. You can add value through increased communication. I mean, whatever you have a skill set in, try to get good at it and try to use that as your, as your value add. I mean, I've been racking my brain, um, because hunting is such an important piece of my life. Um, there's, I have this just urge to be in this environment. I think that I can add value and, and legitimately, and this is, I was, when you sent me the notes, I was super freaking stoked because I've been trying to figure this out for like the last two years is how do I add value in the outdoor space? I'm, I'm not a Olympic archer. I'm not a fitness freak that can run up and down the mountains. I don't live out West, so I don't have like places to hunt. I don't know how to run a camera, so I can't, provide, you know, quality content. Mm-hmm. I'm not the most knowledgeable hunter out there. Uh, I don't, I haven't experienced a lot of different hunts. So it's like, what, what does my value add? And what I, what I'm, what I'm coming around to figuring out and we're actually going to start it this fall and something that uh, I want to get and get you guys involved with is just creating more hunters. And this is going to go into a whole bunch of different subjects, but there's, I mean, how many podcasts, how many Instagram accounts, how many YouTube accounts? Look at this awesome hunt that we went on, right? This is how we did it. Go do it. There's a gap, right? There's a gap between telling someone how to do something and showing them how to do it, Yeah. right? You can read every business book on how to be the best leader. You can read... Every book there's ever been written on shooting free throws, and I don't know that there have been very many, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That's not going to make you a better free throw shooter. Yeah. You have to practice it. And my goal that I'm, I'm trying to formulate my head around is how do I create more hunters? Because that's what's going to make this thing last, right? Yeah, for sure. you got to have more hunters because more hunters equals more money in the conservation. More money in the conservation obviously just elongates, you know, and propagates the yeah. hunting industry. Yeah. So – that's what I think my value add is going to be. So I've already signed up and put down actually literally right here in my notebook from a meeting yesterday is five people taking five people that have never been hunters. So five hunters taking five people that have never been hunting next year. This, that's this fall. That's my goal for whitetail. I'm going to get those five guys down on my farm. They're going to bring five people. We're going to hunt. We're hopefully going to harvest a couple does. Uh, we're going to clean them. We're going to cook them. We're going to have that camaraderie, that kind of, you know, like the the ability to sit down and share food that you harvested. That you've harvested. Yeah. There's 
it is such a a weird and inexplicable for me. It's inexplicable. I just maybe don't maybe I don't have the vocabulary. Mm. But that I mean I'm in the restaurant business, so me sharing my food with someone is a passion of mine, anyways. And I think that again, just like going outdoors, I think that if you can share food with people and sit down and put the phones away and have a conversation over dinner, um, I think that would benefit our country and oh, our for world sure. a lot. And I, uh, there's the tons of studies that show that if you sit down and have dinner as a family, you know, the, the benefit to that. But if you can have a group of guys that have never experienced that before, you know, harvest an animal, sit down, cook it, you know, just learn from each other and communicate and build relationships and bonds. The bonds in a hunting camp are the strongest that yeah. I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Oh, same for sure. as, you know, a football team or a basketball team. And I play all those sports and, you know, it's the same. It's it's really it's hard to get as pumped up as when you're successful on hunt. I mean, the first hunt success we ever did was a turkey hunt that kind of <laughs> happened almost on accident. Yeah. But like, dude, incredible. I was jacked when we killed that turkey. Oh, and I, I did know a high you kick. Were, yeah, and I, I did a Van Morrison hike. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and um, that hunt shouldn't. I mean, that was just that was fate that morning. That was just it happened like it was supposed to. And but you know that was the first time we'd ever really. <clears throat> quote unquote hunted together, yeah. you know, yep. and we were successful by 9 a.m. the first morning. It's like, okay, you know, I can get used to this. Yeah, it doesn't work. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but what you're saying though, and is, it's all been disappointment from there. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. A lot of effort and lack of results. Yeah, well, I don't know. We had a really good time in Nebraska. Yeah, oh, yeah. other than the train, the train was pretty miserable. We've had some really storybook <laughs> moments, you and I, Jamie. You know what? That's the point. Yeah, that's the point, yeah. though. I mean, sure. Again, you can pay ten thousand dollars and go stay in a badass ranch and kill a big ass elk, and yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I will do that when I have the funds <laughs> to do that. Yeah, but I don't right yeah, now. Exactly. And you know, there's also the mystique and the adventure and the challenge of doing it yourself. That, oh yeah. That, well, but even if you drill down to it, to where take somebody and and getting back to what we're talking about about adding value. You found a way, and you were honest with yourself to say, "Okay, these are my strengths; these are my weaknesses." Not a lot of strengths, a lot of weaknesses. And that's—I think—that's the majority of people. <laughs> but my strength is—is is people. Yeah, exactly. Right? So that's—that's that's the strength. And so, the if you're listening things. to this and you're trying to find a way to add value, and it might not be in the hunting world, it might be in your business, it might be in your family, it might be in your whatever the case may be, you've got to have an honest conversation with yourself. What are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And say, "Hey, I'm really good at carpentry," or "I'm really good at." communication or I'm really good at at, fill fill in the blank. Yeah. Figure out how you can take your strength and add value to what your goal is and go from there. I mean, it's that simple. Focus on what you have Mm -hmm. and build on that. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on what you don't have or what you can't get. And another, I think a little piece of advice I could give in that realm is I I get this a lot with, you know, in, in this business is we do video production and photography. That's generally at the very base and core of what we do. But we also do graphic design. We also do, um, you know, motion graphics. We have done some website stuff. We've done all those things. Are we good at those things? No, but we know people that are. And I'm one of those people that say, okay, I know that we are really good at producing great content. We are not the best at motion graphics, so I have somebody that I sub that out to. Absolutely. Because I know what I'm good at. I'm not going to try and make $500 on something that's going to take me a week when I could hand it to somebody I can do it in an hour and I'll make 200 bucks. Okay. It's fine with me. 100%. It's like, stay in your lane. Know what you're good at. Now, d- d- don't discount the fact that you're going to learn things along the way. 
and you might get better at something that you're not good at now. But just take into account what you're good at and what you're not good at. Well, I think a question for you, for both of you, is to, to flip this on its head is there's a lot of really good content creators out there. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of incredible photographers and videographers in the outdoor space. Why do some of the bigger and better names use you guys? And I, I would, I would say, I think it's because of your, your value add of communication. Yeah. You do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, how you say you're going to do it. We do all the little things well. Right. And you don't, hamstring a project for a month because you're trying to make your own graphic when you can hire somebody to do it. And it's like, Hey, let's make a little bit less of this much bigger pie than make all of the pie of this really small. We just try and approach things with common sense. Like yesterday we had a client that wanted some changes. Did we agree with the changes? No, but the client wants the changes. I said, Ryer, are the changes going to take you a long time? No. Is it going to, you know, add a lot to the the time or the, you know, the length of the video or whatever? He's like, no. I was like, all right, well, let's do it. But we've got to use common sense to where it's like, okay, this is going to take us two more days to do it. We don't have two more days right now. We don't have half a day right now. So we have to go, we have to approach things with common sense. And when we do that, and, and you take into account I think a lot of another thing that people don't take into account, like for us anyway, is we have clients that have been there since the very beginning for us. And we're adding some really big clients right now. But I'm also going to make sure my new clients know, you know, these smaller clients, they're they're who got us here. Mm-hmm. And they're still there and we're not, not going to do stuff for them. So, you know, we have deadlines for them and we'll have to work your stuff in around that. And if you're not cool with that, then I guess, you know, we should not work together. Yeah. But... At the same time, it's like there's there's value in the little client and there's value in the big client. Yep. And uh, well, you, and answer your phone. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty freaking easy, man. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> there's nothing worse. I, I would say, kind of going back to the original question, I mean, there's there's adding efficiency. You're making people's lives easier. Um, yeah, which we a, talked about yeah, at breakfast of how we wanted to do that. Yeah, there's being a good communicator. You know, there's adding quality to whatever it is, a project or a video or an experience, um, you know, customer relations. I think that's a huge value add. But I think the biggest thing that people get bogged down on is a lot of times just being yourself and being just cool. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean like trying to be a cool guy, but just like not, not trying to be somebody that you're not like, that's a pretty big value add. Like people can kind of, most people have a pretty good bullshit meter. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, trying to be somebody that you're not. People don't want to be around that. And well, I think I think a lot of guys that are wanting to get into this business and they're asking how they can ha- add value, the one hiccup they have is more than anything, they want to see themselves in the content. <laughs> and I learned a long time ago that me being on camera is not where the money was or not where the any of the good stuff was, is – if I wanted to have a job where I got to hunt for a living, it wasn't going to be in front of the camera. And I'm not saying everybody that wants to be in this industry should be a producer because then we'd be out of business. But what I'm saying is if you, if the only thing you want, and it, you got to be honest with yourself about this, if the only thing you want is to see yourself in pictures and in Instagram posts and in videos, then by all means, go for it. But that is a really, really tough road to hoe mm-hmm. just because that is – 
hugely competitive, and to be truly a standout on-camera personality takes a very, very special person. And I would venture to guess you can get better at it, but it's a God-given talent a lot of the time. I think if if you have to do that, you said it, you have to commit. You have to put out 10 pieces of content every single day. And you've got to be honest. For years. And you've got to be honest with yourself to say, look, I want to be on camera. Yep. And that's fine. Yep. I'm a guy that doesn't. You know, I'm not right. I'm not the guy that wants to be on all hunts. Do I like to hunt? Yes. Do I care for cameras there? Nah, not really. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I have I have a couple clients that they do want to be on camera. I have a couple clients that don't really care if they're on camera, but they absolutely should be on camera. Right. You know, Chuck Belmore, God, I love him to death. <laughs> that guy was, he was born to be in front yeah, of a camera. He's a comedian. Yeah. And so, but there are very few of those. Yeah. And, um, and you got to be honest whether or not you've got the personality to do it. And I, I know I don't. Right. Um, I'm really good at talking about three subjects, my kids, baseball, and f- filming hunts. Outside of that, I'll fake it till I make it, man. You're good at what you're good at. Yeah, you're good at what you're good at. Um, but like, you know, you want to talk about cooking or something else? I'll be like, I like to eat. You know, that's about all he the can't value. Even decide what other yeah. thing to talk about. No. That's how little he knows about <laughs> exactly. all the other things. Truly, you want to talk about other like things. Not filming hunts. <laughs> yeah. I probably can't do oh, that. Oh, dude, I met a guy the other day. Um, he, we were sitting down, and we were having dinner, and he was in the the dinner party we were with. I was like, hey, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I work in uh, uh, commercial HVAC. <laughs> I was like, cool, man. Yeah. It's like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, well, I like to go to, I like to go to breweries and and watch watch uh, football. I'm like, we have nothing in common. All right, moving on. <laughs> I, was I, like, like, I like cold houses. I was like, do yeah. you, he's like, do you? I like my yeah, he's like, I was like, do you hunt? He's like, not really. I was like, Fish? No. I was like. Okay, well, let's find someone else to talk to, <laughs> because we literally have nothing to talk about. And maybe I'm maybe I'm a butthole, but I just didn't have anything to talk to him about. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you could learn more about breweries. Uh, maybe. Really. I mean, that's a pretty Ryer, that's a pretty com- that's a very low there's entry. A, yeah, there's like five things that are like pretty easy to be knowledgeable about. about that like, somebody could you, you needed to. <laughs> Go to a brewery and just like have a couple of beers, and no, then I've, and then for the rest of your life you'd be like, oh yeah, I went to this one brewery and had a dark beer, and I really liked that. And then they'll but, talk but about beers be lying, for twenty minutes. But that would be a lie. Yeah, I'll get them to drink a dark beer one of these days. No, <laughs> Ryer, all beer tastes like horse piss. That's not true. All of it. That's a lie. It is. That would be called a uh, opinion. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Not allowed to have those in this day and age. I, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So the other thing we want to talk about is. Um, what do you think are some skills? And I think this goes into all facets of business. It doesn't just go, just doesn't count for the outdoor space. I mean, you know, this in the restaurant business, what are some things that are skills that are just timeless that you can, well, nunchuck skills. Yeah. Karate, (laughs) karate skills. for Sure. Yeah. Um, Donnie Baker's in the chips, but no, I, I would, I think that any, anything that's related to specialization in content and digital marketing is going to be a skill that's, only going to become more and more value. And the beautiful thing about those skills is everything that you need to learn is online and a majority of it is free and the rest of it is really cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a website called Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. They have thousands of courses on how to do anything on the computer mm-hmm. and they're like $9 a piece. Yeah. You've got 
Adobe tutorials that come with the software. YouTube, you can, YouTube, you can, uh, you can learn how to do anything online. Yeah, you can learn how to build. There's websites. no excuse no to be ex- uninformed yeah. anymore. Right. There's so many podcasts that give away so much information. Like our podcast, yeah. we give it all away. I mean, I, I would, yeah. I mean, being able to, I mean, one thing that I really wish I was better at, and it's stupid that I'm not because I spend so much time outdoors and I always film stuff and take pictures, and I, I, I love a good hard picture is is actual photography. And it's mm-hmm. stupid that I'm not better at it, but that's something that, I mean, people want to have those memories. Mm-hmm. They want to have something on their wall or on their bedside table that reminds them of that thing every day. Yeah. Um, content creation, whether you're a copywriter or you're a photographer, mm-hmm. videographer, the, I mean, that content's king, right? Oh gosh. And more you, now than ever. And it's yep. getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And it's to a point now where if you want to be even heard just through social media because of the algorithms and just how much content's out there. You got to put something out there every day. I mean, I can see on my personal Instagram, it's not, it's nothing big, but like when I put stuff out multiple times every day through stories or actual posts or whatever, I get more followers. Mm -hmm. And obviously my impressions are 10 times if not. And it's like, that's just the name of the game. So, I mean, I think that, another aspect, another way to look at it, which goes back to the adding value um, those are all hard skills, right? Soft skills are what we coach and teach and preach and hire for in our organizations. Character, competency, honesty, integrity, being able to communicate, being able to build relationships. Those are soft skills. And, and a lot of the times, those are innate things that you can't learn from a book, yeah. right? Um, and it's hard to know something about one of those soft skills about somebody until you spend a lot of time exactly. with them. Exactly. And, and again, same thing with, you know, are you, are you uh, planning or are you practicing? Are you studying or are you acting, right? You can, lead every, you can read every book on leadership, but you're, it's not going to make you a better leader until you go through those hard times where you have to make hard decisions and tough times to really be able to develop yourself as a leader. And someone who has taken initiative on that and really worked on themselves generally going to be pretty good in the workforce. So that's one thing we say. One of our things is we hire for character over competency. I can teach you how to flip a burger. I can teach you how to drop fries. I can teach you how to serve people. I can teach you how to run a restaurant. I can teach you how to do pretty much anything, right? We're, we're humans. That's what that's what we're built for, to learn how to do things. But if you can't communicate mm-hmm. or you're a liar mm-hmm. or you can't show up on time yeah. or you can't work hard, you're going to have a hard time working for us. Character is one of the things. My dad used to say this my whole life. He's like, Character is something it takes your entire life to build, but five minutes to lose. So we say it's it, same with trust is it's earned in drops and lost in buckets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. You can do something right your whole life, but you go out and make that one fatal mistake on accident and your reputation's tarnished for the rest of your life. Yeah. And generally that is a result of decisions. And really hard to recover from in yeah. a lot of people's cases. I mean, I'm sure people can think of examples in their mind of, Yep. Things that have happened in their life, either personally or, you know, in the media or whatever, think somebody's one way and they find out something's done yep. about them. You're like, yeah, they're not getting a second chance. Yep. You know, and that's some people, whether some people deserve a second chance or not, I'm not my, not my yep. position not to say, to but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And it's but, one of those things to where it's a decision you've got to make with yourself every single day. All right. Are you, am I going to be the, am I going to be that trustworthy, you know, character driven person? Because there's in this world now, it's really easy to not be that person. You know, there's, it's. You're actually incentivized not to yeah. be that person. Generally, 
when you are that person that does the right thing, it costs you something. Yeah. It costs you something, you know, in the long run, obviously that's, it's, you know, honesty is the best policy as yeah. they say, you know, it's in the long run. That's what's, that's what really makes a difference. But I think as far as a timeless, you know, in insanely valuable traits, honesty, integrity, character, mm-hmm. you just can't replace those things, man. If I, if I know that I can leave a thousand dollars on the bedside table and I can leave you there with it for a week and know that if I come back, it's going to be there. Yeah. And it, might, it may actually be organized and yeah. folded the right way. Yeah. You, you can't replace that. You cannot yeah. replace somebody that you can trust. Yeah. It's, it's, it all comes down to just don't be an asshole, be a good person, you know, and it's, and that's harder hard. Than it, exactly. Days, you took the words out of my leader, literally what I was going to say, because there's a lot of stupidity in this world. Well, I mean, I, I'm not a perfect person. No, obviously. nor Anybody am I. that's ever met me knows I'm not a perfect person. Yeah. Uh, and no one is, but I mean, I work daily on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work daily. I meditate, I journal. You know, I pray every night when I go mm-hmm. to bed. I focus on things that I've done that are wrong to try and figure out how to do them better the next time. And you know, again, I'm I'm gonna mis- make I'm gonna make multiple mistakes every single day. But how can I just get a little bit better every yep. day? A little bit better every day. So, all right. Next thing I want to talk about is content. Yeah. So I would I would consider you more of a quote unquote typical consumer than say we are because right. generally the things that we consume. Um, are going to be on the tech side and on the hunting side. Spoiler alert, we generally don't have to buy those things a lot of the times. We're usually either given those things or we get discounted stuff. So we we usually buy what our clients use and we know what works and yeah. we're not afraid to spend some money on some good gear because we use and test our gear. You are a consumer. You generally have to buy everything that you get yep. and you consume content that affects that Um affects that decision-making process. So first thing, what kind of content do you consume? Like what is your go-to? Um, I consume anything that, and this is very broad, but anything that I can use as an angle to better myself. Right. So give me some specific yeah, examples. So Brandon Lilly. Yeah. Works for Soren X. Um, was a world record, you know, power lifter. Uh, dude is on day 390 something in a row of, of kind of rebuilding himself every single day. He's a fitness guy, workout dude. I follow his workouts. I do his workouts. That's positive stuff going into my brain every day. John Dudley, constant archery knowledge. He's right? got kind of a dick. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I hope he hears this. Awesome dude. But no, like watching him, Aaron Snyder. Yeah. Dude's just assassin. Finally got on Rogan. He finally got on Rogan. Joe Rogan. Yeah. Right. I'm a learner. I constantly am seeking knowledge. I'm just constantly trying to change my perspective. I think Joe Rogan is a perfect example because on, and I say this and anybody listening to this knows who Joe Rogan is. I hope you do. If you don't, you live under a rock. But yeah. if you're listening to a podcast and you don't know who Joe Rogan is, <laughs> yeah. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. If you're so, listening to this podcast, instead of Joe Rogan, yeah. You, yeah. go listen so, to Stop right now. Yeah. Listen to yeah. Rogan and then come back. Yeah. So anyway... Rogan's a perfect example for me because, and I think this is this is also something that world lacks right now is an open mind because Rogan is one of those guys that he believes in a lot of things that I don't believe in. He has stances on things that I disagree with him with, but I still can learn so much from someone like him that has such an open mind well, to everything. Go back to what you said just a minute ago. 
don't be an asshole. Yeah. Joe Rogan is not an asshole. Yeah. Joe exactly. Rogan's an insanely respectful and nice and knowledgeable and educated and well-rounded individual. Oh yeah. And when somebody looks at you and talks to you like that as a human mm-hmm. and has empathy towards you and says, okay, I don't believe what you're saying. I do not agree with that, but you're a pretty good person. So agree to disagree. Yeah. And we've gotten to a point with cancel culture now where it's just like anything you say or anything you do, if it's not in line with this group or that group or whatever, like you need to go to hell. Yeah. Like, and, and that is when we lose the ability to have that civil discourse, we're in a bad, bad state, yeah. you know? And, and I think that that's why I'm always listening to those type of people. So what yeah. are some, what are some video platforms that you might follow or series or anything? Do you do, you do a lot on the video side? No, mostly podcasts because I do it when I'm working out yeah. or when I'm running or when I'm in the car or something. Um, I do watch a lot of YouTubes on BJJ, mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for those of you who don't know what that means. Um, Why'd you look at me? I knew what that meant. Yeah, well, we don't know. It's going to be kind of funny. No, you were talking, uh, so I was looking at you while you are no. talking. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, is a martial arts. It's mostly ground, uh, ground game grappling, like kind of like wrestling. Um, and so it's a very visual sport. Right. So I'm on YouTube watching that all the time and I'll generally work on a move for a month. So I'll watch every video I can find on that one move so I can see all the different complexities of it. Obviously Dudley's archery knock on series school of knock. School yeah. of knock. I mean, holy crap. I, I've been putting it all over social media. Not that anyone follows me or anyone's seen it, but I got the knock to it and been, I'm on week like six I started on Wednesday. Yeah, so six started, yes, Wednesday. I mean, my groupings and my comfortability and my draw sequence is like a different ball game now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm dropping 50 and 60-yard shots, like just easy. But uh, watching the video and anything that needs visual uh, accompaniment, like that's when I'm watching on video. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like I've watched all kind of stuff with, you know, outdoor Anything to do with the outdoors, climbing, yeah. hiking. So, what camping. about what about outside of hunting? What do you watch for entertainment? Um, do you, or do you? Yeah, uh, alone. Alone. If, I haven't watched the, that yet. Oh my god, it's the it, best show really? on TV. It's a History Channel. Yeah, these dudes are put out in like the remote places, like most remote places ever. Yeah, listen with, to the podcast. Items. Rogan's podcast about the guy that wanted to listen. It's to insane. One. It's incredible. And um, isn't it just the last person to leave? Who went? Yeah, to, yeah. You, when, don't, yeah. you don't know. He when only the made other it like it was like seventy something days, and dude, one. I'm like, really? I thought it would be like six months. Caleb, they're in like Antarctica. Well, I mean, still with with ten items. Yeah, no food. Yeah, but anyways, no. The the I watch that, and then I watch Food Network. <laughs> food. Pretty much it. Yeah, I, I cook a lot. Um, own restaurants. Go figure. Uh, it's one of the, again, one of my passions. It's one of those things that I think if we can share food yeah. across the table from other people and, and sit down and just have conversations and listen to people, it, it changes your perception. I mean, any any engagement you have with someone else that you give their attention to them, you're going to have your perception changed, even if it's just a miniature amount. Um, that's pretty much it. Food network, cooking stuff, uh, jujitsu. Uh, obviously, I read a ton of books whether it's and most of them related to leadership business personal development the outdoors or hunting it's Mm kind of where i'd like to keep myself yeah um constantly kind of keeping those plates spinning sharpening those sticks so next question is one that we haven't talked about yet and i've honest honestly kind of 
avoided talking about it, but I know our listeners are going to know what we're talking about. I think you kind of like the Rogan thing. You've been under a rock if you don't, but I figured you would be the best person to ask because owning bars and restaurants, one of the ways that you advertise a bar and a restaurant is good looking ladies, because that's the way that people come in there is when you got good looking girls. I mean, why did anybody go to a bar is to find a chick or in the girl's version, find a dude, you know, you know, vice versa. So obviously in the hunting world, we have this, I don't even know if you call it a trend of huntresses. That's oh, it's a trend. So, <laughs> so yeah. there's a handful of them. Yeah, I mean, here, I'll there's, just I'll cut to it. Okay, Here's, I think it's a good thing. You think it's a good thing? Which part of it? Any PR is good PR, right? Okay. Anytime you can get eyes <laughs> ready, fight. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you can get eyes on an industry a product, you know, anything that you're trying to promote or get out there, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to show that, hey, girls that, you know, actually, you know, dress up and wear makeup and all that can go hunting and kill an animal. Now, I think that... But they have... uh, Hold on, hold on. That's from the consumer side. Okay. Right. Now, from the hunting side, from the interior side, I think some of it's a little bit ridiculous. and And I think that people doing it strictly for love or likes mm-hmm. okay yeah that's that's ridiculous yeah but how many followers do those people have that aren't hunters well see this is this is what i'm this is what i'm getting at is essentially we have a handful of these quote-unquote huntresses like your lee and tiffany your tiffany your say, um um <laughs> melissa bachman Interesting. you know you've got a couple handful of these chicks that are legit as they come and they've also been there Jana since Waller. the beginning. Jana Killer. Waller. They've been there for. They've been there since the beginning. Yep. They're OG. They're doing it for the right reasons. They're getting women into the sport. Hundred percent on board with that. Tiffany's one of my favorite yep. people in the world. One of the hardest working humans ever met in my life. Um, she's also a spitfire man. I love that girl. Then you have the TNA. Yeah. That is involved with this. That is. They're purely for two things. Numbers and to get a girl's face on there. Yep. Just, I guess, for those numbers are really one reason. Um, Most of them aren't actually hunting or doing much of it other than they're just to get some social media, then they're going back to the house. Or, you know, is there value in those numbers? 100%. But let me ask you this, because I think it's, is it, your perception as a hunter that it's not good for? I don't or is it what other people perceive hunting as that you're worried about? I think it's I think it's because for me, I don't give a shit. I don't either. Doing, okay, I don't right? I don't it, either, it, but it, I'm looking at it as a whole as like, okay, as the sport essentially dwindles. Right. You know, it's getting smaller. Right. Is that the light we or the, is that the way we want to paint the sport to grow it? Well, that's not the only way. Absolutely not. I think that there is value in putting people's eyes on hunting, even if Again, it's even listen, if it's using I, TNA to do it. Well, what industry doesn't use TNA to do it? Sex sells, right? Oh, hundred percent. Always has and always but, will. But does is it selling? That's my. That's what I'm getting to. Is it selling products? Oh, it's hundred percent selling products. You think it's it, selling? If it, products? if it didn't sell products, they wouldn't exist. Right, they exist because they. So you think a girl sitting on a Yeti cooler in a bikini, 
on a hunting type post of selling Yeti coolers? Absolutely. You do? Absolutely. If they, again, if they weren't, it wouldn't exist. Just inherently. I wouldn't give, and I don't want to say any specific names, but I wouldn't give some of these people, guys or girls, discount codes to put out over social media if I didn't get a return from that. I know about blue otter sunglasses because of TNA. Yeah. yeah. Three or four of these, you know. That is true. Yeah. I dream. That is true. I know that about. That is true. I, I would have never about, heard of. I've, that's just straight facts. I would have never heard of Blue Otter sunglasses had it not been for the few huntresses. Bang Energy. That, bang Energy, yeah. Which is. But I can see Bang good. Energy. I can see that. I'm, I see it for bars and restaurants. But no, like, Bang Energy is a fitness energy drink. What does TNA have to do with fitness? A lot. I think about TNA. I mean, I get. Associated with your, fitness. I think you're, you know, like CrossFit's kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean. I kind of put those in the same category, but not hunting. Yeah, but there's a difference, I think, between As, the I mean, mass appeal it, that, like, but you could take you could at, take a a energy drink brand, maybe like Brian really likes the Celsiuses, they're right? delicious, and you can get them at gas stations. The only reason I know that Celsiuses existed is because I saw Brian drinking one. Um, as opposed to the mass market appeal that Bang has because of what how they've marketed it. They took like monsters well, approach yeah. to it and was like, we can do this more and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they blew it up where they had, where they had TNA meaning- and motorcycles. We're going to do TNA and TNA. So you yeah. said, so you, so <laughs> like, the question you I asked, see your TNA and I, I raise you triple it. Yeah. Here's triple TNA. Yeah. So your question and you've is, seen is how it, their growth over the past oh, year. Gosh, it's been it. insane. Yeah. So, so is your question based in numbers as far as for those products or numbers as far as creating okay. new hunters or Essentially, bringing people into the hunting I wanted, space I want or you eyes to, on hunting? I want you to, I want to see where you think that number is growing the most. Is it growing more in exposure? People to hunting? Certainly Sales? Exposure. I think it's exposure and sales. I don't know that it's creating new hunters, and in fact, I think that is where the damage is could it, be done. Can it be do? Is it doing more harm than it is good? I, I have no idea, man. I couldn't couldn't tell you that. I know that there's been more TNA and there's less hunters, but correlation doesn't mean causation. Yeah, I would I would say that there are specific ways that storytelling and communicating the art and beauty of hunting obviously attaches emotion. To hunting versus gripping also, grins. I also think that yeah. Which, I also think that's all. That's bullcrap too. But that's just my opinion. Um, I think that I have very strong opinions on a lot of this. But and and, and it might in Ryan <laughs> Ryan smirking. He knows. Um, I, I was think, smirking because you said you have strong opinions. <laughs> I thought you were going to just stop there. <laughs> I have very strong opinions. Yes, but Caleb, you do. I can see. I see a little value. I don't see the value in the scale in which it's being put out there, and I honestly see it being scaled back a little bit right now. Oh, it's it's yeah, it was you you, you said trend earlier, and yeah. I think that word very accurately describes it. I think influencers in general on social media are losing <clears throat> massive amounts of ability to persuade people mm-hmm. um, because there's it's just. There's so much out there. I mean, every first of all, every third post on it on my Instagram feed now is an ad, anyways. Mm-hmm. So you you mix that in with half the people you follow are ambassadors for products, yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got ad, product placement, sponsored post, your friend from home 
and their children mm-hmm. something that you want to see actually mm-hmm. add <laughs> spot. You know, it's just like, yeah. you're like, blah, blah, blah. It's like thumbs getting a workout, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get through that. Um, but why else would someone have, you know, 450,000 followers? Well, the only there wasn't value there. I don't know, man. I just, I mean, I've and had this conversation. And why would companies keep providing them with that sponsorship and that money? Because they're giving them numbers. I mean, they're getting numbers. They're getting exposure. And people sell against numbers. I mean, I, I know that's how, the, that's how the game is. Well, I mean, I would say another thing, too, to think about is Instagram is they still haven't, in my opinion, still haven't figured out how to drive sales through Instagram. It's gotten a lot better with the some of the new, most recent updates, but they just aren't. It's, Facebook is the, the absolute master of converting sales. Yeah. Through through uh, online advertising, Instagram sold me a couple things. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> really we've has. all bought a couple of stupid things yeah. off Instagram. But my point being is that you know, Ambassador X putting out Blue Otter polarized sunglasses yeah. over and over and over and over and over. I'm never buying a pair of Blue Otter polarized sunglasses. Yeah, that was the point that I was wanting to make just a second ago. Is that even though I know that Blue Otter sunglasses exist. Right. Uh, and this is, I have two things I want to say about that. One, I've never once thought about buying them. Right. Two, I would say personally, I am less likely to want to buy those sunglasses because I feel like, and I know nothing about the sunglasses. I know nothing about the company. Right. But I feel like they probably are not a quality product because they have to rely on that type of marketing to sell their stuff. Well, and it seems gimmicky to me. Let me ask It feels you, gimmicky. Let me ask you the inverse, because I said the same thing about Bang Energy. I said it's called Bang Energy. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard of in that's my true. life. And, and look who's promoting it. This is embarrassing. That's then true. Then I had one. <laughs> and I look at the ingredient list, and I say, wow, you know, this is a rocket fuel in a can, but it's actually got some decent stuff in it. It's not good for you. Energy drinks are bad for you. But if you're going to drink them, at least have a – you know, a quality one. And then you start looking at the actual product and say, oh, it's actually not that bad of a product, you know? Yeah, I, um, I, I had the same I wouldn't journey. buy Blue Otter sunglasses unless I saw somebody that was wearing a pair of Blue Otter sunglasses yeah, and I got me. to try them on and I got to see what they feel like. I I got the, you know, the, the $50 sun clouds, you know, made by Polaroid, you know, I think. Um, they're, you know, they, they're polarized. They're, they're super lightweight. They stay on your head, et cetera, et cetera. That's just what I buy. I know, and I get them from the same place every time I break a pair you know, that's just the way I, I think anything to do with style is really personalized. Yeah, anything with gear. If I don't know someone that's used it that can give me their opinion yeah. or yep. if I haven't had personal experience with it myself. Okay, now put yourself in the shoes, which this is probably impossible, but just try to think of what a, you know, 18-year-old female that just went to her first hunting convention you know, trade show, seeing all this stuff, she starts following one of those huntresses, which will remain unnamed, and sees these sunglasses. Mm-hmm. She's going to go buy them. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, well, I want to be like her. That's what this person wears. They must be quality. She's got a lot of followers. She's got, right? And I guess we're, we might be outside of the demographic that they're wanting to appeal to. Well, because also, our, our, the way that we get marketed to is by other people in the yeah. industry and talking. Well, I think about how I was marketed to before I got into this industry, when I was still a straight-up consumer, and it was by what I watched, man. No, like 100%. 
when I was before I started doing this and and learned the ins and outs and what companies were good, what companies were bad, and products were good, products were bad. You know, I'll never forget. I bought a scent blocker suit because the bone collector guys wore them, hundred yep. percent. And that's what everybody around me had, and that's the why they had it. And I'm like, well, if they have one, I have to have one. So there's your answer. Yeah, you know, but and but that was also when I was before I was in the industry, before I you know young and dumb, and I consumed everything through. The Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's Channel. Because, I mean, YouTube was around, but it wasn't like it is now, you know. So I think about, and, and what I, I'm thinking about, like, the last thing that I bought because of something I watched was probably I ordered some of those MeUndies from Rogan, <laughs> and I really like them. Do you? Uh, yes. I do like them a lot. Hmm. Um, because, like, I've always worn the same pair of underwear for, like, the last five years. That's I'm gross. Like, you realize that, no, right? <laughs> Same brand, okay? And I couldn't find anything that was like, okay, yeah, those suck, those suck, those suck. And I yeah. wear them one time and throw them away. I'm like, yeah, those are terrible. And I was like, these are like guaranteed. But I was like, they're 20 well, bucks a piece. Well, like, I, here's, here's, the, here's the thing that like uh, I invest in and stand behind and work with products that I believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Black Rifle Coffee. Mm-hmm. People, you know, oh, it seems like it's a gimmicky name. Like all these people have, well, try it. Because mm-hmm. it's the best coffee that I've had. You walk around mm-hmm. with a black rifle shirt every time I wear. Every time, every time I wear a shirt like this or a hat like this in public, somebody get, somebody says something. Yep. Whether they're like, "Do you like that coffee? That's great coffee. Yeah. I every, like their stuff. Every time I, I put, love those guys. Every time I put something on my story about black rifle, they're like, "Man, is that shit? Is it real? Is oh, it legit?" Man. I'm like, "Well, the fact that it was roasted like five days ago and still got the oil all in the beans." Yeah, it's legit. It, it's absolutely every time Those I guys go are the, coffee freaks. Every me, time man. I go through the airport, yeah, no less than two or three people, yep. and I've never had a negative comment about yep. it, ever. It's been a question about, is it good, or, good or I love that I stuff. Love it, yep. and, and when you have a product like that. And, but have, have you ever had any other product that you've been associated with that has that kind of response? I haven't. I mean, not, not a consumer product. No. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, I mean, because there's haters in every. Like, you wear a Sornex hat or a Sitka hat or a real tree or you know whatever the case may be. I've never had that kind of response that oh, I'll have. Oh, people, well, it, it, but there's a there's they've created emotional. Connection oh yeah. with the brand because it's the you know hire ten thousand veterans and yeah, those are really really awesome awesome hundred percent awesome stuff. I mean, I think that's it's it's more it's it's a it's a it's a brand versus a yeah versus a coffee company now hundred percent they, they crush it crush. Going to do, I think we're at right at a hundred million dollars this year or something stupid. Hundred million dollars in coffee. Mucho dinero. Mucho dinero. Good for them, man. That's yeah. awesome. No, no they, better people that could happen to too. Work for it. it is, Heck it is yeah. No question about that. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, we kind of kind of talked about what your uh, elk plans and deer plans are. Are you still possibly working on a late season elk? And I know you've got the yeah. new property, and we might go to Oklahoma type for for deer this year. Yeah, I'm going to do Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure. Um, I've got a mule deer hunt with the guys from uh, um, Brandon Lilly, Derek Woodski, a couple other guys are going uh, out to Big Chino Outfitters in Arizona. Nice. Mule deer hunting. January? That's uh, August. August. So oh, we're getting it's close. coming. We're getting close. Yeah, it is coming. Big time. Pretty stoked on that. Uh, first mule deer hunt. Um, ever I'm a specific mule deer hunt. I've been on, you know, several hunts where you could had have a bonus tag. A, yeah. Could have taken a mule deer, um, actual whitetail hunting, obviously here in Georgia. Um, we've got a farm that we've been working on and I've got that plan to take, 
you know, five new people hunting, and that's something that I'm pretty pretty stoked yeah, on. Yeah, if we're here, I want to do, I want to help with that. Okay. Even if it's just taking somebody, I don't yep. care nothing about hunting. I just yep. like to go. Yeah, and that's that's the plan. Um, I want to slowly, at, at some point, morph it into kind of a mentorship program. Yeah, um, kind of like the thing you did, uh, which I didn't get to go to that. It was a leadership thing that you did earlier. Was it this year that you did that? Where y'all went to the river and did something? Oh, yeah, that yeah, that was, uh, I just took about eight guys out, um, did a little leadership exercise for like two or three hours one day, but, you know, really just trying to get people out in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, buddy Baker, everyone probably knows, works with Cortland Line. Uh, they gave me a really, really good deal on a bunch of fly rods and all that stuff. So got everybody some fly rods and some flies and we right on the, right on a fly, on a fly fishing, uh, river and, you know, taught people how to cast a fly rod. And I'm again, no professional, but I, I can do it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, took our bows out there, took a hatchet, taught people how to throw hatchets, you know, just, just again, disconnect to, to reconnect with each other. Yeah. Um, so, so much communication now is through text or, yeah. or Instagram that like having a face to face conversation and me cooking food for people. It's just, yeah. it's a passion of mine. So, so, all right. Um, what I want to end on something that was, I have a rire. Rire, I want you to answer this too. Yeah, I saw that question and I'm um, not prepared. I don't have a good answer. Well, I'm going to ask Jamie first because he's had more time to prepare. Um, and I'm literally going to read it verbatim off my thing so I don't screw it up. Uh, if money was no object and you could create a series and or a film, what would it be about and why? Um, I think it's... This is a question we need to start asking everybody, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is... This is uh, the series, it would be a series, um, and I think it's the storytelling aspect of exactly what I was just talking about, is taking somebody, you know, whether it's an inner city kid or somebody that has never really been in the outdoors, never been hunting, and go through the process of teaching them about nature, teaching them how to respect the animals, teaching them how, you know, conservation dollars and how it works, and, and showing them all that our country has to offer as far as, you know, possibly the best uh, national park system in the country, I mean, in the world. Mm-hmm. And people just don't have any idea about it. And I and I am a firm believer that if you take someone through that cathartic process of learning about an animal to consuming that animal that you harvested, that, you know, some people it's not going to be for and they're going to say, okay, yep, I saw you shoot that animal. I'm totally Some people that. are going to go head and over so heels. And some people are going to fall into it. But I think connecting people with where their food comes from and showing them, you know, how to sit down and, and prepare that food and, and share it with each other, I think is that, that is a series that for me, all the, all the content that I see out there are one of two things, basically. And it's look at this awesome adventure I did and this animal that I killed, and that's really cool. And then it's, you know, the Dudleys that are teaching people, you know, how to how to do stuff and giving you explicit direction. But to actually take people and show them, and each episode is, you, is, is the life story of that experience for that individual, right? It's like a, it's just a, it's a constant development of people through the outdoors. I think that's a, that's huge for me. That's something that, and again, I'm just trying to figure out what that means and how it's designed, but I really feel that there's a lot of positive for society, you know, through nature. 
And it may not be hunting. It may be taking them camping. It may be taking them kayaking. It may be taking them fly fishing. It may be taking them to shoot birds. Maybe, you know, whatever it is, just being outside, you know, having real person to person interaction and communication. Yeah. Um, being in Atlanta, like I said, and, and being around, you know, the big industry and the big, well, tall you can buildings. talk, you can talk both sides of it. You right. grew up, you grew up in South Georgia on a farm. You've yeah. lived that life and now you live in Buckhead and you own several businesses. You can talk that lot. You, yeah. you've got both sides of that coin covered, but I think it's a lot, you know, being like, if I look at growing up on the farm side, you know, it's, it is astounding at how many people have no idea what our food production system looks like. I mean, you see stuff like posts on social media where somebody's like, well, why would you, you know, why do we need farmers to grow corn when we can, you can just get it from Kroger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. Like, I had a guy, prime example, and this, I've been thinking about this for several years, but it re-sparked it really hard. I was getting my bow tuned up. And was at the shop, and this guy uh, was in there, was buying a firearm, lives in the, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta. Looked at me and goes, what is that? My bow. It's a Matthews bow, mm-hmm. compound bow. And I said, it's a, it's a bow. He was like, like, for like shooting arrows? And I said, yeah. And he was like, well, what do you do with that? And I said, well, I hunt deer. He was like, what do you mean you hunt deer? I was like, <laughs> like deer, you can shoot them, yeah. and you... You know, you harvest them, you clean them, you eat them. He's like, you can eat deer? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, dude, I've got hundreds of deer in my backyard. <laughs> he's like, so he's like, can you shoot at that thing in the city? Yeah. I was like, yes. He's like, so I can buy one of those. I can buy arrows and I can shoot a deer and I can eat it and provide meat. And I yeah. said, yeah, free range, organic, high quality meat for your family. And you don't have to go buy stuff at the store. It blew his mind. Yeah. I, How I don't like the where we missed. That. I had a TSA agent. This is no lie. I was going through the TSA line in Atlanta. Yeah. Put my bag on the conveyor to go through there, and it was my camo bag that I carry through, my Sitka bag that I carry through every time, Mm -hmm. full of hard drives and gear and headlamps, and I don't remember where I was going. And she said, uh, she, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going hunting. She said, oh, for like ginseng? And I said, no, ma'am. I was like, I think it was going on elk hunting. I was like, we're going elk hunting. She's like, like, like animals? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, people still do that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, all man. the time. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know. it's And it's she not, was serious. It's, oh, absolutely. It's not, And it's not their fault. It's just, there's it's a total lack of education yeah. about any of that stuff from the time people were born until they grow old. I mean, this guy I was talking to was like mid-50s. Yeah. He didn't know. This, that this could, lady was in her 40s. You didn't know that you could hunt deer and clean them and eat them. Yeah. Like, that is... And I'm like, have you never thought of where a steak comes from? Have you never yeah. thought of like where your chicken comes from? Right? Yeah. And that's that that is, I think, a series Ignorance is bliss, man. I think a series dedicated towards creating hunters in the process of that and the dedicate and there's a lot of people that do that through their Instagram. Dudley, for example, mm-hmm. always introducing new people to hunting, right? Always building bows, showing them how to hunt, teaching them how to shoot. Like, but actually creating a series, I think that ability to tell that story in a beautiful cinematic way Mm -hmm. opens the door to a lot of people that are standing just outside the door of maybe being interested to hunt to say, oh, holy crap. Like, well, then you mean I can, I can actually learn how to do this. Like I have so many people that reach out to me on social media. So many, I have people that reach out to me on Instagram all the time being like, Hey man, like I don't, I really don't like 
you know, hunting. I don't, I don't like the idea of killing animals, but I'm super interested in the idea of sourcing my own meat. Yeah. And in that instance, I would be okay with hunting. And I'm like, well, I think you're confusing hunting with killing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like, I don't get all jacked up on killing an animal. Yeah. I get jacked up because I'm going to have a ton of meat Mm -hmm. and obviously the hunt and the effort and the time and energy that it takes to harvest that animal. But that all that other stuff is what creates that emotional response, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that, that has kind of driven me to this thought. And again, I'm still trying to create it. I said, I want, you know, at the very beginning, I haven't fully fleshed it out. Want you guys to be involved. Um, I think it's something that is super scalable and easy. Oh yeah. You could create something online where it's a platform where people have educational, you know, and resources to match them. Oh, with, Cause that's what mentorship. I was, that's what I was going to get at is hunting. Isn't something that's really easy for somebody that's never done it or yep. doesn't have any no. information. You've got to have a mentor to do it. And again, you can put all the content you out want out on want out online, but until you actually practice with someone and show them, I mean, I grew up hunting my whole life. Right. And I remember getting, and I had like this old, it was, I think it was a Buckmaster 2000 bow. It was my first bow. And I remember getting that thing. The first one I bought, I had another one. I don't even know what the name it was. I think it was an Easton bow, but I bought that Buckmaster 2000. And the Easton one was like one of those pre-rigged, had everything with it, you know, and I had to build this bow. And I remember going to the archery store and, this guy's asked me all these questions, and I'm like, I have no idea, you know? And he became my archery hunting store. I mean, my archery mentor. You know, he was telling me, like, okay, well, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. But that is a very steep ask to get somebody that's never been hunting, never had a bow, to go into a bow store, spend $1,200 on, you know, all the gear and everything that you yeah. need to get started. And then to go out on public land and start trying to hunt. Yeah, that's a almost <laughs> insurmountable task. Well, and what happens is, is you're going to have so much failure out of the gate that you're going to say, all right, this was stupid. I'm selling my bow. Like, yeah. I've been doing this for three years. And, I, and I've got friends, you know. I've, if they make it three years, yeah, you got, might make it three sits and be like, this is stupid. Yeah, I've, I've got seen close friends that, you know, have leased properties for three, four, five years, and they've killed one to doe, you know, and they shot her with a rifle because they yeah. couldn't. They were trying to bow hunt, but they just don't know yeah. what they're doing. And, and and for me, I mean, I'm, I've really gotten deep into bow hunting the last four years, you know, mostly rifle hunting, bow hunting a little bit when I was younger. But, I mean, it's a different ball game. It is yeah. a totally different ball game. So Yeah. Well, I think to add to that, I could add a little perspective because growing up, I'd never hunted. Um, I did outdoorsy stuff, but, like, my family didn't hunt. I have an uncle who hunts, but he lives in another state. So it was something that I kind of knew existed and, uh, but I had never done it. And like, it was interesting enough to me, but I just, you, you think of hunting and you go, oh, well, I have no idea how to even begin to do that. Yep. So you just dismiss it. You just go, okay, that's something that other people do. You kind of have to be born into that to do it. And then <clears throat> I happened into this line of work and it has basically brought me on all the hunts yeah um i mean i literally had never gone on a hunt before to i had a camera and i was going on hunts and throughout that entire process i have been able to learn what how to hunt um what is hunting uh and and how to like operate in that whole space and i think that for me personally like i've been what has it been four or five years i've been doing this total 
it's probably taken me three or four years of literally following people hunting to finally get to the point where I felt like I had enough knowledge yeah. and enough experience to feel comfortable going out and trying to attempt it on my own. I mean, it's just not something that, like, at least for me, like the first year that I even was doing this, um, you know, people always ask all the time, have you hunted before? Or do you want to hunt? And yeah, the first year I was like, yeah, I want to hunt, but there's no way I will, I can go into the woods and, and yeah. do that. Like, I just don't even, there's too many things I don't know. And I, it's such a high stakes game that it's really, really intimidating to just step into the woods and try to make something happen. Yeah. You know, Caleb, I think you can answer, you know, the same as me as I learn something every single time that I hunt. I'll learn something. I see the way an animal reacts. I see a mistake that I made that I've been making my whole life. I never knew. And I think to your point, when you respect the art of hunting, because it is an art and it's a science, you, you know, it's easy to go get a gun not sighted in and go out and try to blast holes. Yeah, in, in go to animal. South Georgia, sit in a big box pond and watch a 500-yard strip. Yeah, I mean, that's not hard. Yeah, that's, and, and if that's the way that you get into hunting, great. However you get there, I don't care. Yep. Um, but it's it got it's it's more to me than, like you said, killing. That killing is, that killing an animal or harvesting an animal, however you want to say it, that's a, a means to an end. That's a kind of like that's a cherry on top of, okay, that's the reward for all the other work. Yep. All the, all the money spent, time spent, effort, energy, studying, you know, working, you know, all this, that, and the other. And then you get into the hunting part of it that says, okay, well, you know, the people that you're going to try and take hunting, you're just going to do a whitetail hunt. Yeah. And whitetail hunting's its own animal. Mm-hmm. Then now talk about turkey hunting. It's a different animal. Then talk about elk hunting, another different animal. Then talk about mountain goats and sheep and rams, another animal. They're, hunting is hunting, but different animals you hunt a different way with different methods, with different challenges, with different everything. So, you know, I've done quite a bit of hunting for different different animals. I would say I'm a fairly proficient whitetail hunter. I'm a maybe even a novice elk hunter just because I've been on so many. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, you know, I'm a, fairly seasoned turkey hunter but outside of that i still have a lot to learn you know you want to start doing a lot of spot and stock mule deer stuff mm-hmm. you want to start doing some spot and stock antelope you want to start doing some long range stuff like that is not my gig you know and that's one of those things to where i can learn and i can probably get it done but i'm not going to get it done like a john dudley yeah. i'm not going to get it done like somebody that's a freaking ninja, you know, Aaron you know, Snyder. yeah, Aaron Snyder, you know, <laughs> those guys like he's killed more stuff than Parvo. So it's one of those things. And, well, you know, and how hard would it be to learn any of those things? If you did, if one, you didn't even have a base knowledge of anything. And two, you didn't have somebody there going, don't do that. Do this. You did this wrong. This yeah. is what you happened. Look at, look at prime example. We were doing the shoal bass project. We fished two days. Now, conditions were pretty terrible but you give my dad the rod and in 30 minutes he had caught like three fish because he grew up his whole life fishing on that yeah. river with my grandfather yeah. who taught him exactly how to you do ask it. me to go catch a shoal bass me yeah if i caught one to be complete sure luck yep. not because of any skill it'd be like i am literally throwing this bait in <laughs> praying there's a fish there yep. so i'm clueless yep 
Like people ask me all the time about fishing. I'm like, I'm not a fisherman. Like I know how to catch brim in a farm pond, but outside of that, it's like, you know, it's like, I'm just, that's not my gig, man. Yeah. It's just not me. But that's, that's my, that's my goal. That's just kind of like in, in the hunting industry. That's what my value add is, is coming to. That's what my goal is, yeah. is to try and create more hunters. Yeah. Create we got to get hunters. him killed something this fall. I told him. We'll that's get my him. goal. He wants to kill a doe this fall with his bow. I gave him my old bow, so he's got to get to shooting. Have you even shot a guess jet? who one of the hunters and one of the mentors and mentees is this year? Mentors and mentees. You two. Oh, gosh. It's going to be like second or third, <laughs> second or third Who's week. Who's going to film that one? <laughs> second or third week of October. Yeah, second or third week. We might can do that. I'll have to look. Maybe first, maybe fourth. We'll see. Let's That's nobody fun. film that. All right, so what's yours? No, no, money's no object. What's your series or film? Uh, I'm sorry that everybody on here is going to have to listen to me talk about this. I know nobody wants to listen to me talk about what I'm about to talk about. Maybe Jamie, because he's recently gotten into this realm of things. Uh, um, but I call them bikers. He gets mad every time. So pissed. <laughs> Biker rides a motorcycle. So, yeah, I said, yeah, cyclist. He, he rides bikes. He's like, it's a cyclist. He told me every time. Get it right. Uh, that's like calling you a cameraman. Yeah. Every time you call me a cyclist <laughs> or yeah. a bicycler or whatever Bicycler. it is. Bicycler. I'm calling you a, a cameraman. Pedal, what would be a pedal pony or something like that? What's Honestly, that if you call me a pedal pony, I'd probably be stoked. <laughs> like, that's fine. I'd, I'd allow that. Um, so I, I think that my, and I don't 100% have the idea as well developed as Jamie does, and I literally didn't have any, I wasn't able to think about this beforehand. But I want to do a film or a series that dives into the world of cycling and professional cycling on a really human level. Uh, I think especially since doing Blue Stem, I've found that I really liked the emotional and the human side of storytelling that sometimes you don't get to explore as much with a lot of the pieces that we do. Um, and I'm really passionate about cycling. I love cycling and it's one of the, like you guys can probably relate. It's, it's something that fires me up when I think of cycling, when I think of racing bikes, when I think of that entire world and that pursuit especially being somebody who's done those things, I get really excited. And I see a lot of disconnect between what people perceive cyclists as being and the sport of cycling and what it is. Um, and I think some of that is just because I do it, and so I romanticize it in a sort of way. But to me, cycling is a very individual pursuit. It's something that people bear their souls to try to win these races and like it's sometimes it's not even the professionals i mean you watch some of the guys who are semi-pro or even some of the guys that i've raced with and the amount of effort and heart and soul that they put into the sport is amazing and the amount of humanity i think that is inside of the sport is um I don't think it's recognized. I think what people see is a bunch of dudes in tight spandex <laughs> on little wimpy bikes. That's what I see. Yeah. Riding around. <laughs> You're so upset with me. Right ri riding around, Getting blocking the, the roads. Yeah. And what they imagine is 
you know, just your weird neighbor next door getting on his bike for his weekend ride. And I see often, I see that and because people say, what did you do this weekend? I'll go, okay, I went and rode my bike. People say, how long did you ride your bike for? And they think I'm going to say five miles or 30 minutes or 56 miles, an hour or something. Yeah. yeah. And you say, oh, I went and did 80 miles. And they go, you did what? I wouldn't drive 80 miles. And you can immediate, immediately see their shift in perce- perception of that activity. And I would I'm like, just thinking my butt would be hurting so bad. Not if it's fit right. I just found that out. Mm-hmm. Did you get a fit? Yeah. I mean, everything that you just said is exactly the same emotional mm-hmm. thing that I'm talking about with hunting. Right. And I just became a cyclist, and I just went from, hey, get out of the damn way, stop blocking the road, to, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm about to get hit by a car. On a <laughs> every 30 seconds. Yeah, every, and I've been riding for an hour and a half, and I am exhausted and I've gone 46 miles you know I mean I'd never ridden any I'd never done any I don't even think I'd ridden a four-wheeler over like 20 miles (laughs) and you know went and rode 46 miles you know not too long ago and and uh I think everything that you just said is exactly what I'm saying for hunting is how do we there's a whole other world eyes well because as humans we like get in these groups right and we think our group's better than the other group. And then we sit and we live inside of this vacuum. And guess what? No one gives a shit about you outside of that group. Yeah. That you're in that group. Yeah. It's the same thing in the BJJ world, right? Yeah. I'm a blue belt. I've uh, been a blue belt for almost a year now. Um, feel like I'm like pretty good sometimes. And like inside that community, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a blue belt. I'm not a white belt. Mm-hmm. You know who doesn't care about that at all? Anyone that doesn't do jujitsu, which is a vast majority of the population. Mm -hmm. Same thing with hunting. Same thing with cycling. Same thing with arm wrestling. Same thing with throwing darts. Same thing with hunting. Name it, yeah. How do we communicate that romantic vision to individuals that aren't involved so that at the very least they say... They have an appreciation for it. They say, I respect that you hiked 12 miles a day for six days in a row in the mountains, sleeping in the dirt, you know, eating bare minimum food, all for a very minute chance that you actually see an elk, much less get a shot on him. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I and I think that when you can break it down to that human aspect of it and say, hey, we're all part of the same ecosystem. We're all part of the same world. We're all flesh and blood. Like, there's, there's the connectivity that happens reignites that community that we have gotten so far away from. You know, we're so connected. Mm-hmm. I can see what you did the last 12 hours always on Instagram if you post it. But, man, like, how many people do you follow on social media that you think you're best friends with? You literally think you become friends with them, but you, yeah. then you realize you, have no, you don't know anything about them. Yeah. You don't know their last name or their middle name if it's not on their or profile. What their, real their name, what their real name what even their real is. Name is. You just know them by their Instagram handle. Exactly. So... Yeah. Kind of like head busted turkey calls. I'm still not sure what his name is. I just know it's head busted turkey calls on Instagram. Yeah. So I think if I had unlimited money, I would like to take that and do a really high budget, high production value, like follow a team or a single guy for a year throughout, throughout the entire process of, okay, I'm starting training for the year. I'm ramping up to this. These are the first races. Then racing season and the pursuit of whatever that team or person is trying to do and just follow it. Because I know as a person who has done that, 
that the work and the highs and the lows that happen over the course of an entire race season is, I think, something that everybody can connect with and everybody can look at that and go, okay, yeah. What if you ran parallels? So you had the 57-year-old dude who has heart troubles and he's cycling to stay alive. You've got the dude that's training to try to hit criterium for the Tour de France. You've got the Jamie Shire that just picked up cycling and you're running those parallels in the, the culmination of the whole series and shows to say that it's basically for anyone and everyone can benefit mm-hmm. from it. I like if that. you just would open your freaking eyes and stop being such a, a lot of words I want to use right now, but just, <laughs> you know, have some freaking ability to be empathetic towards what other people see and what they like and what they do. Yeah. You know, just because it's not what you agree with doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. Well, the thing that makes me angriest is when, Somebody passes me on the road and calls me like Lance. homosexual, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I got and it's like, okay, I just really you shouldn't be driving past people on the road and calling them names. Was without, it Chuck? <laughs> because you have no idea who I am. Yeah, oh, I know. And just because I'm doing this one thing, you're going to call me that. I will throw hands. <laughs> Give me a chance. Let. Stay at that red light. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I, <laughs> and, I, two weeks ago. And you'll ago, see who's about. <laughs> two weeks ago, I was going up this just insane hill in Atlanta that, first of all, I didn't know existed. <laughs> Isn't it, it was, amazing how many hills path. you find? Oh, you, and there's but no downhill. Roads that you drive. There's roads no that downhill. you drive, yeah. and you're like, oh, I've driven that road a thousand times. That looks like a nice road. Flat. And you get there on yeah. your bike, you're like, what? It was like a yeah, mile. Dang. It was like a mile, like. I'm going backwards. Lowest, this yeah. wasn't this hard in the car. Yeah, lowest <laughs> gear climb, as hard as I can go. Don't you love that? And this dude gets up behind me, and I'm. I, he could have easily just gone around me. He was making a show up. They can always gig, 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 behind me, wheels out. Hey, you. It was just every F word there is in the book. And I'm like. Dude, you're like 120 pounds, like soaking wet with your <laughs> Zoomer pipe on your freaking Scion. Get out of here! You know, I hope I catch you at the next red light. Yeah, you know, and but that, but that, but I think that goes to show, like, kind of the ignorance of, of, and and the inability to accept. Yeah. Well, and the same and thing just say, happens. Hey, with, I don't understand that, but just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I should hate it or yeah. it's wrong. Well, oh, the same I'm, thing I'm, happens in the hunting industry where absolutely. people assume that if you hunt, you're you're a, a backwards, backwoods redneck. Yep. Who, you know, probably goes and gets drunk and maims some deer. Yeah, you don't you don't value weekends. life. You're yeah. you're just a, a psychopath that kills mm-hmm. animals for the fun of it. Yeah, just yada, a yada, straight yada. generalization. Yeah. It's like, oh you see this. Hollywood's thing. really good at generalizations. Yeah. Real good. Turns out. Anytime there's a show about the South, anybody that represents somebody from the South is a dumbass. Dumbass. Hundred <laughs> percent. Redneck idiot that can barely get put two words together. And wears cut off flannels all the time. It's like that is could not be further from the truth. Now, do I know a couple yeah, like well, that? Yeah, I know a couple like that. <laughs> yeah, but the vast majority are pretty good people. But yeah, that's life. Yeah, get off the news. Get off social media. Yeah, stop listening to all the BS. Go talk use, to your neighbor. Do talk to your neighbor. Do the heck, do what the heck you want to do with your life, and don't let anybody tell use you not to do Use your brain, that. man. Use your brain. Talk to your neighbor. Common sense. Smile at people. Won't you Austin, did Austin have neighbor? a did Austin have a question? Yeah, he wanted to hear your boy Austin Legsman uh, comment. Uh-huh. Been hyping you oh, up. Mr. Leg. He says he says Jamie's a class act, absolutely crushing it. I guess he calls you hot and long. <sighs> Baker calls me hot, and, or no, he called me. I don't know where that came from, but yes, <laughs> that's a nickname for some reason. Hot, hot and long. long. Oh, it's because Baker hacked my Facebook. 
and <laughs> wrote on there in my profile that my about me is I'm a tall thin. And Austin was trying to remember what it said. And he said, what did it say, like hot and long or something? And I was like, it didn't say hot and long, but you can go with that. So now he calls oh, me hot and long. That's funny. I like that. Better well, than he cold and short. Yeah. <laughs> so he wants to know everybody's number one bucket list hunt if money is no issue. Uh, ooh, I have two that are just like... Actually, three. <laughs> you got to pick one. <laughs> Wait, money is no issue. I I, I don't understand the question. As long I would as you like don't to... come home, is it one trip? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No I doubt. would like to do all of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a, a a straight up, you know, long term out there goat hunt um, is one of them. A, a moose hunt with a bow, you know, is one of them, and killing the i don't know what subspecies it is of giant ibex in like uzbekistan or pakistan those things are insane <laughs> yeah they're pretty cool yeah i have no desire to do that but they're really cool what's yours i know you've never killed anything but if you could kill one thing what is it uh i, I feel like i need to kill something before i can start well no no no, no. give an answer <laughs> this this is a very impolitically correct answer that I'm about to give, and I'm not sure if this is legal anywhere. <laughs> don't say humans. <laughs> I don't know. I've always wanted to kill a polar bear. I don't know if you can hunt polar bears anymore. Think, you I used to, I but think, I think if like maybe ten or fifteen years ago you could. But yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anywhere you can um, kill a polar bear anymore. I don't know why. I've just always wanted to do that. It seems like. Oh, actually, I would say probably my number one is. Uh, What's that island off? Uh, Kodiak? No, off the Soviet side. Cat, cat, starts with a K as well. Cat. But they kill these oh. massive. A Fognac? That's Adirondack now. A Fognac Islands. Oh, no. What is it? Oh, God. I Kodi guess Kodiak's generally where the biggest bears are. I guess probably a realistic bucket list hunt would probably be uh, moose in Alaska. Yeah. Moose in Alaska? Yeah. I just want to go to Alaska, really. I really what I guess the bucket list hunt is not so much. I've been to Alaska. It yep. was. You don't like it. <laughs> you did not have, it. I did not have a good trip. Yeah, my. I think my bucket list hunt is less about the animal it's and more about. about, about I want to. I want to take a Kamchatka. Never heard Kamchatka, of Kamchatka, Russia. Never heard of it. It is the Ruskies. Yeah, it is like these bears. I mean, just Google it. The bears. They're, they're Russian like 12 bears. Twelve foot tall. Well, it is Russia. Like monster bears. Huh. With so a bow. Curious more I don't about think the they, they don't allow you to shoot them with a bow, though. Really? No. I wouldn't want to. I've mean, seen I mean, those I, things. They're real-life monsters. My my one hunt I accomplished two years ago, which was like my ultimate dream hunt, was a uh, uh, Cape Buffalo with a bow. Mm-hmm. I shot one at 46 yards, one arrow, and killed him, mm-hmm. which was insane. Yeah. I was in South Africa with our friends. Yours, yours is more about the place, though, than the animal. Yeah, I want to go to Alaska, and Which I want to take a float plane. Yeah, yeah. or experience. a bush plane. Done both of those things. Because Neither one of them were as fun as I thought. They were more sketchy than fun. I hundred percent. I Good want. I want the sketchiest. Always there to just punch you right in the gut with your dreams. <laughs> they were way sketchy. I want way the sketchiest sketchy. plane ride. What's yours? You, I don't know if you could get a much sketchier yours, plane man? ride. Um, I don't know. That's the thing. If if it's just me hunting, it's probably going to be a moose, Yukon, Alaska moose. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've done that, and it was really cool. As soon as I said it, he was like, oh, Alaska? Mm, I hate that place. I said the Yukon first. It's not nearly as cool 
Um, but whatever else you were going to say. But uh, the the. But I'm just going to take yours and make it just a little bit different. My film, my film idea, though I never got to my film oh, idea yeah. is um, is I want to do a film about my buddy named Matt Carpenter who lives in the Yukon. His family has a two two million square, it's two million acres, uh, in the Yukon. Squeeze me. Yeah, they have a concession in in Yukon. It's two million acres. It's like the size of Georgia. It's two hundred. That's just a 220 kilometers of the McMillan River runs through the middle of it, and he still runs a wolf trap line. And I want to do a film about that trap line real bad. Wolves are big. I want to see a full-grown 100 to 140-pound wolf in a live trap. Mm. I've seen see one that not in a bad. trap, and it's way scarier than I would imagine they would be if they were in a trap. That's why I want to do it. Because it's I, I, did, I thought it was a bear. Yeah. Oh, it looked it like a bear. Black, mostly black, but kind of silver wolf in Idaho. Yeah. I was like, I would never, ever oh, want to be in the woods and see one of I've never seen a live wolf other than like in a zoo. They're but big. Uh, yeah, I've seen tall. lots of they tracks. Are. We saw a lot of tracks in Alaska and in the Yukon. But I want to run that trap line with him because when I was up there doing that moose hunt with uh, Glenn Garner years ago, he showed us the trapper's cabins that him and his dad and his uncle built by hand. They literally built 20 of these every 10 kilometers down the trap line because they would only get to tra- travel 10 kilometers a day by dog shoe. And then they had literally have a wooden box. It was probably smaller than this room that they built so many of them. They knew how many boards and how many nails to carry and exactly how much gas to carry for the chainsaw to be able to build one. Um, and they would build it by hand and they would have these, this tree and they would have another little box to top of this tree with dried food. So they had food in case they hadn't caught anything or killed anything. And uh, he lived there for 10 years in the middle of the remote wilderness in the Yukon from age 7 to 17. And I want to be able to tell his story. Um, But in order to tell that story, it's going to cost a lot of money with a really big support crew because that is not an easy task to do because essentially you're in one of the most inhabitable inhabitable places on earth during the worst times to be there. Um, it's negative 40-something degrees, and you're mm. either on a on a snow, you know, ski-doo or a or dog sled checking live wolf traps. And I'm like, that. that's a story that I want to see. Ski-doo, huh? Yeah. Ski-doo. Jet skis out there? No, well, they're, they're, they're the, <laughs> whatever the snowmobiles. Sleds. They call ski-doo. them ski is what they call oh, them. I thought they called snow sleds. Well, they have all I different call them names. Snowmobiles. Yeah, that's what snowmobiles. That's what preferred I mean. nomenclature. Some people call them sleds. Yeah, I'll let like him. If you're in that community, yeah. you call them sleds. Well, I'll let him ride name the dog shoe. I'll be on the sled. I want one of those, those things. Are actually have you ever ridden one? Never have. They're, I've heard they're really hard to. I've stay heard on. that you're just like Wah, yeah. They're like you have to fight them the whole. You have to fight them like the whole time. Lean back and like yeah. You have to weight them like a motorcycle, but way harder. Yeah, and that's, I just see like that trip would be extremely, really tough to do. And I that's something I want to test myself with is being able to make a film in that environment because generally, I mean, what we're filming in is, you know, harsh conditions, but that's that's real. Yeah. That's you know, elk hunt on a mountain, yeah, it's steep and it's everything else, but it's also like 70 degrees. And, you know, if it's not raining, you're generally you're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, that place, one mistake, you're dead type thing. And, like, that's kind of really cool to me. Um, that would probably be mine because I've wanted to do it ever since I met him in 2014. It just 
And he's like, he only is going to let me do it. So I've got the ability to do it. Just got to find somebody that wants to. Problem is, you could probably find funding for it from a company that wasn't afraid of wolves. Most companies are scared to death of wolves, man, because people are crazy about wolves. It's a big old puppy dog. Yeah. It's a big old nice puppy dog. Let that puppy dog get after you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bears. And then the third would be stingrays. People are weird about stingrays. Sharks, yeah, too. Suck. Sharks, too. People are real Oh, dude, we sharks. got some hate mail on the habit when we did stingrays. stingrays? Yes. They killed Steve Irwin. Killed Steve Irwin, exactly. Was that's what would, so everybody everybody should want them dead. You think so. I think the thing, a worldwide treasure. <laughs> I think the thing that happens is, like, there's these species that are generally considered, like, bad species that most people avoid, like sharks and the stingrays killed. Steve Any Irwin. apex predator. Any and then, apex predator people And then love. what people do is they then decide that they're going to make that species into a victim of hate and vitriol and then be the savior for that species. So I think that's, that's what, what happens. Uh, what's his, uh, with the bigger animals like bears or whatnot. Uh, apex predators. Yeah, what's uh, Steve Rinella calls them. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Um, charismatic charismatic mag- megafauna. Charismatic megafauna. You see like Disney movies and stuff yep. that that uh, portray them as live animals, yeah. humans. Yeah. Um, they have personify them. Personify them. And so when you grow up, it's like, oh, you can't. It's such like, it's a sweet, Bambi. sweet teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, that's a freaking brown bear. He'll eat your face. Yeah, he will claw you to death. Yeah. I mean, that, what, 76 year old woman just yeah. a day or two ago got gored by that yeah. buffalo or bison yeah. or whatever they call it out there. Yeah. In, what was it? In Yellowstone. Smashed her. She got like seven feet to take a picture with it. Not of it, with it. Well, what was that guy that's a what few we months call, ago? Did you see the picture of the guy who had his entire face ripped yeah, open? Oh, by that bear in Alaska? Yeah. Ooh, and he was just like... Yeah. I, I have, <laughs> so I, your I'm face pretty, is gone. I'm pretty impervious to to gore. And I saw that picture, and it made my stomach turn. It was pretty gnarly. And you know what I know also realized by that? I'm a huge sissy. And that dude's He was holding way, his face on and driving the snowmobile. Way tougher than I am. Like, that dude... That's a man right there. That's that's a man, baby. Or like the freaking guy in Colorado who got stuck under the boulder and sawed his own arm off. Yeah. yeah. Can you 20, even imagine? hours or whatever it's yeah. called. 127 hours. Like think. you see, you, you just look at some of those people and go, that person has a different mind than me. Well, because I, think, I would, I don't think that, I, I, agree, I don't I think, think I would ever be able to get to a point where I was like, I, okay, I'm sawing my arm off. I agree. You say that now until you until you're in the circumstance and you literally say, "Okay, I'm going to either cut my arm off, which is the like the worst thing I could ever imagine, or, or I'm going to die, which is actually the worst thing I could ever imagine." I mean, rule number one of life, right? Don't die. Yeah. So whatever you can do to prevent. <laughs> Pretty that, simple. There's don't two. Die. There's two rules. Don't die. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> number one, don't die. If you have to be an asshole not to die, you can be. Yeah, you could be an asshole. Rule exactly. But if you're not actively dying, yeah. don't be an asshole. True story. Well, Jamie, where can everybody find you? Uh, Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Jamie Shara, um, J M E Y S H I R A H, uh, and I've got a blog called jamiedoingthings.com where it's more leadership kind of business-focused stuff. It's a lot of the lessons that I used to teach our management. And teams the one like that. that you wrote about your dad making you drive the post or whatever, yeah, like literally like choked up because that was my dad, 100%. Digging holes. That one hit hard, buddy. Like I'm reading that and I'm like, the Tims, your dad's name Tim, my dad's name Tim, they – 
something about them Tims, man. They're oh, yeah. they don't make them much better than our dads. Man, I, and that's that's what's drawn me towards all this whole outdoor mentorship thing. I think that's what I've man. I'm I'm so incredibly fortunate not only to have the dad that I have, but to have the dad that I have that put me in the outdoors and taught me, you know, to respect nature and and respect the outdoors in and of itself. And we just don't have a lot of that anymore. And that's the reason why you're seeing such a decline in the amount of hunters. And if, if I can, you know, one person at a time, if I can change that, I mean, that's that's a win. So. Yep. Ryerstein, you got anything else? Uh, the blog is good. Read the blog. I enjoy the blog. That's a personal endorsement. Thank you. Personal Thank you. endorsement. I, I don't know. I, I felt like that was – I didn't have any good wrap-up thought. <laughs> I can't. All right, well, guys. Well, that was two seconds and two hours on the nose for a podcast. So – Two hours? Yeah. Basically, we're Joe Rogan now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Peace.